Warning, this particular podcast of ours, before I forget, may have some themes and subjects that some may find offensive and or triggering. Listener discretion is advised. And thank you for listening to Before I Forget. All right, there's one. You hear me? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, hey. All right, so waiting on Kevin. I thought really? Was, I thought he was ready, but I guess he it he had some connection issues. So you know, it's a podcast, and you don't even, we don't even get to see his face, but I guarantee he's saying, you know, making sure that he looks perfect to be able to do this thing. Right. Guarantee you. Drives me crazy this technology bullshit, but. You know, a plus is we're going to get some uh, new technology bullshit to make the show even better. Now, that's great, man. And I mean, I, we're recording right now. And, and first and foremost, I mean, the fact that you're actually got this going as far as you're going is just like one of those really cool aspects of veteran life that uh, it, it's just really cool to think about. And this is this is something I think a lot of people have talked about doing and thought about trying to figure out how to do it, whether it was trying to write a book or make a video. And what you're doing is actually figuring out how to put these stories down, you know, in a recordable way. It's really cool stuff. I appreciate it. It's uh, it really wasn't that hard to figure it out. Um, once we figured it out, but it's been a lot of fun just been able to talk to everybody and get the, the correct stories about things that happened. Hopefully you can fill us in on some stuff that I guess we got wrong. Oh, I don't even know about that, but I, I think for the most part, man, I think that, you know, the cool thing is I think almost anything these days is pretty easy to figure out, but it, it takes a lot of will uh, to, to actually just decide to take those steps to figure it out. I mean, the reality, we've got so much technology at our fingertips to be able to whatever we want to do, whether it's figuring out how to make videos or podcasts or do whatever. But it, yeah. it just takes actually stepping up and doing it. You know, I mean, it's that's that's the hardest part. True. Yeah, that's that's the the, the word on the street is when you're trying to do one of these kind of shows or these these podcasts. Um, if you can make it past what is it like 27 listens a day on any given show and manage to make over, you know, like eight different shows, you can possibly be successful at it. You just got to keep keep doing them, keep going. Well, I mean, I I, I don't think that like that's not even like a success rate for what this is. Like, oh, the, yeah, the re- no, you know, right. what I mean, yeah, I mean, the reality of it, it, I mean, it doesn't. If if not one single person listens to my podcast, it would be it's going to be cool because it's still going to be out there. It's still going to be something that you know, ten years, ten years, somebody you know scrolling around you know the internet might might be able to find something you know, or. A hundred years from now, right? Like a hundred years from now, you know, some private is like, or some lieutenant at West Point is studying, you know, the global war on terror, you know, a hundred years from now. And, and they're going through these old hard drives and, and they find, you know, Spotify, you know. Oh, there we go. You know I mean? I mean, and that's reality. Yeah, that's true. So Kevin's here. And uh, now that he's here, uh, we're just going to get right into it, as I always say. So I'm going to start a countdown, and then we're going to start, okay? We're going to do introductions. Um, I'll do everything, Will, and then you can jump in and introduce yourself. You can do your your information waiver because of your job and yeah. shit. 
and then we'll just go from there. What's up, Kevin? How's it going, man? Man, how the hell are you doing, dude? Man, fucking crazy tonight. I get it. But otherwise, pretty good. No, man, I had a flight early in the morning. That's what I was worried about. And uh, it got canceled, so it's going to be later in the day. So I'm, I'm good to go, man. Well, I'm glad that worked out. Uh, yeah. Sorry to keep you all waiting, but... Yeah, man, as soon as I got fucking home, I gashed my damn finger open. Like, I was... <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> had a broken glass in there in the trash and, uh, you know, bought my dog some new food and dumped it into the thing, had the bag and stuffed it into the trash can. Oh, no. And it just sliced my pinky open. Oh, man. <clears throat> you're going you're gonna to die. You probably. I mean, that thing's been sitting in my trash can for like three days. Oh, oh man. That, oh, <laughs> man. You're going to lose that hand. I'm Wait, sorry. Slash that finger open. I'll re- tell you re- what. Rest in peace to lefty. Yeah, right? Was that the left <laughs> hand? Yeah, left pinky. I mean, so I don't use it that much. Oh man, yeah, you're good. Don't worry about it. But you know, when it takes the whole hand. All right, here we go. In three, <laughs> two, one. Welcome everybody to Before I Forget. Tyree and Kevin here with our good friend Will. Will, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, my name's Will Attic. Um, I don't know. I'm a part of Bravo Company One Two Six. Uh, got to serve uh, during OIF Two, which I think. Uh, we're going to talk about the most tonight, but first I got to say that I think there's going to be one of those cool little like intros that come in where we make sure all the legal stuff's uh, official. So I got to say that uh, my views don't uh, actually uh, represent the uh, AFL-CIO Union Veterans Council organization I work for. So uh, it's it's just my own. Uh, these are going to be an awesome conversation about uh, our, our time together, I think. And then also just, I think, talk about, you know, what we've done since then and, and, and really a broader idea of like a group of veterans that served during that time frame. Hey, so before we get too deep into that, what is the HHOC uh, Huey Lewis Foundation that you work for? <laughs> what, what did you say? <laughs> what? Uh, the, oh, my the, God. It's the Union Veterans Council, the AFL-CIO. So uh, the AFL-CIO is like the largest labor organization for unions in the entire country. It represents like 12 million workers across the country in every workforce. So from uh, janitors at, at schools to NASA scientists. And um, in that workforce, there's over 1.2 million working veterans um, that were, you know, prior service military, when they came home, they have a union job. And my organization is an advocacy organization for all of those veterans. Uh, we work to try and create programs for them, but we also do a lot of work when it comes to legislative stuff uh, to work on, I would say more like day-to-day issue for veterans um, when, when they're back home. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really cool opportunity to, to continue to help and, and serve and, and do good stuff. And um, I, I'm lucky to, get to do a lot of podcasts and things like this. And I can't tell you that um, I've never been more nervous about talking on camera. Um, <laughs> I've been on MSNBC. I've been on CNN. Um, I've been broadcast across the country. I talk in front of thousands of people, but uh, you know, it, it's really cool and awesome and humbling to be able to talk to my fellow, you know, soldiers that um, I get to talk about a lot. You guys just don't realize it um, all over the country. So it, it, it's really awesome to be here. It's yeah, great. Man. It's really good to have you here, man. Um, sometimes we had to jump through hoops to get some folks on, but all we had to do is shoot you an email or a text, and you were like, yeah, I'm down for it. It was easy. So I appreciate that. Uh, you kind of left out something kind of big that you're working on that was recently approved, right? Yeah, man. I, I guess. It, yeah, I'd say it's pretty big. Um, yeah, let's hear about it, man. Don't be sheepish now. Oh, man. man. Let's so, hear about so, it. So, no, it's really cool stuff. So, so 
um, I guess every generation of veterans um, think things happen, right? So uh, World War II happened. Um, one of the most uh, important parts of Vietnam was that after Vietnam, the Vietnam Memorial got built and it got built by a bunch of young Vietnam veterans. And they, they kind of came to DC and they, they rigged the system and they were able to figure out how to get this memorial built for Vietnam veterans. It's one of the most historic places on the mall. Um, veterans still get to come there every single day. Um, every year I get to go there for the last four years and clean it uh, once a year with a bunch of Vietnam veterans from their mine workers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real special place. And, and the very first, uh, I do a lot of legislative work. Um, I'm probably sure I'm going to talk about it later, but I get to work on like legislation, working to make sure bills get passed, things like that. And the first bill I worked on when I came to Washington, D.C. was the Global War on Terror Memorial Foundation um, Act. And what it was, it was to create a bill, a, a, a group to be able to make a memorial for our generation of veterans on the National Mall. And it was really tough. And I, I, and I got to be very close. I'm an actual ambassador for the uh, organization. And we were able to pass legislation to get an exemption to get this memorial built on the mall. And then we had to get one more bill passed to, 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 to make sure that the, that the mall was, that the, that the memorial was built on the mall, not like, you know, miles away, you know, somewhere near where all the other monuments are. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, thank, it's, thank you. Right. And it seems like that would be a pretty simple thing, but it was really, really hard. It's, it's mainly process and all of this stuff. And um, I'm very, I'm very lucky to be a part of a very, very small group of people who were able to put together a plan, um, you know, five or six people um, that, we were able to get this uh, bill passed. We, we got support all over the, from bipartisan all over the country. And it just passed a, a few months ago. And it, it, it guaranteed that our generation of veterans will have a national memorial on the mall. So when we're old and gray, we have to fly in like in our wheelchairs and, and get to look at some granite that will be there for thousands of years that mem- that commemorates our entire generation of veterans. And, Somehow or another, my dumbass uh, got to be part of really making it get done, um, and it's pretty cool. How That's did, awesome, uh, man. How did you in, end up even getting involved in all of this stuff? Man, that's a really long story, man. Um, and I, I guess we can, we can work this story backwards if you want. No, no, no. Um, no, no, no. But, we're but, but to, as whoa, I said, whoa, whoa. We're it's a long, same, long thing. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I want to our... stick to it. Let's stick to it. Yeah, yeah. stick to our same same. We'll, we'll uh, tease it story. out. I want to I tell all the stupid stories about me being a dumb private. And then, then, then you guys figured out that I was there the person who was able to like talk to Nancy Pelosi to make sure that the bill got passed through Congress and then do a couple other things. It'll be pretty cool, you know. All right. So, hey. Let's start with the the beginning. Where uh, or when? What year did you decide to join the military? Man, um, so I was a sophomore in high school when I was uh, driving. I driving to uh, to high school when I heard the nine uh, eleven happen. I think. Oh. Um, and I think by the time I got to my first class, um, the second tower had hit, and I think that at that moment I realized that like something was going on. I, I wanted to serve and. Um, a little bit of background is like, I, I, I kind of love history. Um, and when I was like a seventh grader, I wanted to be a history professor and I wanted to study war and, and like the theory of it, like the, like the theory behind it. I was, I was a nerdy kid, I guess. Um, and I wanted to go to college and I joined the national guard when I was a junior in high school. I think I was just turned 17 and it was a year after nine 11, I think it was. And I did a split option and I was going to be a, a wireman i was gonna and this is 
this is talk about old school stuff. I was going to, I was going to be in the national guard. I was getting my college paid for, and I was going to be a communications wireman. And I wound up doing a split mm-hmm. option. So when I was a junior in high school, um, after I uh, ended my year, I went to uh, basic training in Fort Benning, Georgia um, with, with non-combat MOSs. It was, it was pretty wild. Um, and that was like my first taste of the military. So you were there with the pokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was, and I was except for one person. And that was, and Kevin, you'll, you'll really appreciate this. It was, it was drill Sergeant Wilson and, so and, and drill Sergeant Wilson. Um, he was, he, I, I mean, I, I have no idea what unit he came from before that he was just my drill sergeant i'll never i never met him again he, he simply was one of our drill sergeants he wasn't even my platoon drill sergeant but he was like six seven he was he, he was an african-american guy big gold tooth and he had a cib and oh, yeah. and every day he would tell me why the hell are you going to be a pogue you need to be in the infantry and I, I i was a wrestler and i ran track so my pt score was just stupid and I, mm. I, I really liked basic training. I was like, man, this is, this shit's fun. I was like, I get to run around and like play army, man. Like, mm. this is, this is really cool. Like, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, I don't really, I, I can't tell you. I mean, like you get smoked, right. Right. But yeah, like I, I was like, man, this, I, I dig it. Like, this is, this is, this is fun, you know? And um, I, I, I got back. Uh, to go to my senior year in high school and, you know, things started heating up, right. That was right. When, you know, Afghanistan was kicking off, everybody knew we were going to go to Iraq. You know, you, you knew it was going to happen. And um, I, I just remember that guy just telling me every day, you need to be in the infantry. And one day I just like decided to drive to the recruiter's office. And I wanted to reclass. I, I went, I went, in, I want to reclass. I was like, I want to reclass. I want to, join the infantry and I'm going to go to the, a unit that's going to Iraq as soon as possible. And this was 2003 when I was a senior in high school. And um, they, they looked at my ASVAP. They tried to convince me like two times, call my mom up to, to take another job. And uh, I, I, I just refused. And, and there was a recruiter there who just came from Germany. He said, well, I think if you go to Germany, they're going to be going like early next year. And um, that was that I graduated in 2003. I went to basic training again. Um, they, they said that I was supposed to go, you know, you know, back, but I found myself, you know, going back to basic training right after I graduated high school in 2003. Oh, okay. So you missed out on a lot of the, uh, Kosovo crap and all that kind of stuff that we had going on. You were, you were in your own little world in high school. <laughs> Right, well, we were doing some crazy partying, so you know, first different perspective of uh, the the two thousand three year. Yeah, so I've, I've been listening to the shows, and and what what I can say is like I'm exactly like what you are for, like when you guys got left, you guys left, you know, right after um, you guys got back from uh, from from Iraq the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you came in right before Kosovo. Like, I mean, no training, nothing. You went to Kosovo, you, you, you know, n- not knowing that much. And then came back, w- went to your second deployment in Iraq and you were a lot better. And like, I mean, I remember when I, when I got to the barracks, I mean, I, I mean, you guys were just like, you know, looking way up to it, you guys. But for us, you know, we went, we came back from Samara and we, we were the old guys. And when that whole <laughs> batch of new guys came back for the second deployment, 
you know, it was exactly the same thing. We were the E6 mafia. We were the, you know, you know, we were the guys, you know, making sure people were ready to go. So it, and when I hear the story, it's almost exact same. And, I, and it has to be the same thing for like each generation. Like my buddy, Nick Betts, who, you know, went the second time and then, you know, he was, he was a leader the next time too. So mm-hmm. it's one of those kind of cool things to think about. It's like you're passing the torch almost uh, throughout the generations of spaders, more or less. You'll never know how many of those stories are actually still floating around um, where the blue spaders are now. You never really know. It could possibly be, you know, something that they still talk about. Man, One there's way blue spaders another. everywhere, man. I, I, I mean, I, I'm very lucky that I get to travel around all over the country. And again, this is kind of one of those like going forward in time, I guess, to what I do at this at the time. But I get to do a lot of military stuff, going to a lot of veterans events, um, whether it's corporate or training or, or government. And, you know, if, if you mention you're a spader or if you have a, a spader pin on or if you talk about being a spader, if you find one, they're, they're doing something really cool or good. Or mm-hmm. everybody else knows what the spaders are. I mean, and, and oh, that's yeah. what I mean. It, it's really cool about our unit. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's the the perks of being a spader. It's like being a celebrity, like a freaking movie star. <laughs> We're Almost. going way over two hours, by the way, guys. <laughs> Don't worry <laughs> yeah. about it. So, uh, you uh, you get done with basic, and you arrive to Bravo One Two Six, which is uh, going through. Uh, <laughs> transition to deploy basically man so how yeah is that, how does that um how does that hit you the the new private so so we know it right so uh, basic training was a little different right so um when when i went through basic training i mean like i think that like i'm just gonna hit some like high notes right like the cycle right before me pat tillman had just went through basic training and like that's kind of like the time frame that we're at like yeah. We got to think about the gravity of 2003, 2004, of the beginning of a 20-year-long conflict. It's still, it's still going on right now, um, but, you know, the, the, the mainframe of 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, so there's so many stories when you think about back in that time. But, like, I remember, you know, that was one of the big stories going through basic was Pat Tillman. And we also had a drill sergeant that, you know, had a CIB that was a 101 guy had you know went through like Tora Bora and stuff and it was in his I think his, his his uniforms up in the infantry museum in, in Benning now nice. um and so so we had this kind of different mentality I think and I think when I go back to hearing you guys talk about your basic training experience and then going Kosovo and even your deployment in Kosovo right like when we were in basic we we were starting to get like it was already starting to change where it was like you guys got to get ready for like real real shit and yeah. and, and you know we were t- i mean I'm not, I'm not gonna lie like I'm, i mean i was ready to go but there was like there was like you know everybody i think has this like wait a second man like are we are we really man we're really about like after you get into that bunk right like like i remember i i got to uh what, what's the what's the in-processing place right there is AG. Yeah, that's what you guys talk about a lot. Um, mm. So I was a, I was considered pre-enlisted because I went to basic training. So I, I was there for like three weeks because I had to get like implanted into a, a basic training unit. So I was like three or four, like three weeks at at that stupid, stupid place. And <laughs> hey, thirty AG was beautiful, man. No, there's some, fun, 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 some funny, funny ass, funny ass Best burgers on man. the planet. Dude, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I was a skinny guy. So I was like, I was a wrestler. And so I was like 145 pounds, like soaking wet. 
I had to get I had to get a, a, a waiver because I was too skinny to get into the army. Um, <laughs> it was funny shit. I like, but uh, whatever. And but I, but I was I was uh, I was in a pre-enlisted and like we had like all these like ex special forces guys that were re-enlisting because they never got any action when they were special forces guys and these guys were like forty something years old and like they were just taking them. So I was there for like four yeah. weeks. Funny story. I, I the PT test there was like a mile. It wasn't a two mile. They you did like a mock down one. Yeah, I just and it was to, around like a parking lot looking thing too, right? No, it was a. We had a big track. It was a big giant ass track with like a mountain in the middle, and oh. it was like a like a hill in the middle. That, that was where we ran ours. And I remember I had I I we'd we'd already gotten smoked a few times. I had blistered my feet. I ran it so fast they thought I cheated. I had to run it again two days later with even bigger blisters. It was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> what was the time? Do you remember? It was it was it was sub five minutes. Jesus. Um, so for, it's for one like that. for so, one mile. Yeah, yeah. Good lord, man. But I can't. I can't even like. No, man. My thoughts won't even let me think about running a mile in, in less than five minutes. I ran man. the first. I ran the first time mile in probably ten years. Uh, three nights ago, and I ran it like seven oh three, and that's what I was. I'm I was about. dying, man. That's the times I'm talking about trying to grab. That's the ring I was reaching for. Yeah, basic seven seven thirty. Oh no, I was running like eleven minute fucking two miles and shit though. So like it was it was stupid. You're out of control. So anyway, so so fast forward, right? So basic training was crazy, and like they're like you're going to fucking like you're you're going to a unit that like the guys like these basic training like the drill sergeants like you're going to a unit that is going to be crossing the border at Turkey, and like you're going to be going there before you even have like any training at all. Like that's what they're telling me. Wow. Right. And these it's guys, like, and, like, and that was like once we, up. that was like once we got to AIT, and they're just like, like you guys, you got to be ready, like you guys got to be ready. And I, that was the cool part of, I think that was like the first part where, like, I think the first time you saw like the stupid shit of basic training start to break down, where it was like, we really don't care about you guys learning how to like dress right, dress. Let's spend a little bit more time learning how to shoot and 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 kick indoors, and mm-hmm. I, and that was really cool, but. But that didn't really help me that much because everybody knows basic training, you really don't learn shit. You just get really in good shape and you get mentally prepared and, and mentally, psychologically trained trained to be a soldier, you know. And mm-hmm. I show up to uh, Germany in December. The entire, the, entire, um, the entire brigade is on field rotation. We come back and, and it, it's like we're going to – I'm going to mention a couple of names I don't think anyone's talked about before um, – but I came back, I think either you guys were already at the field or you guys were already on your 30-day field or um, leave. Um, I, I, I'm trying to remember. Um, I'm pretty sure it was December of 2003 that I got, I, I got there. I mean, it was cold as shit. And oh, it had to have been towards the ass end of one of those 30 or uh, whatever day filled. It was your big – It was no, it was your guys' big prep to go to Iraq, right? right? Oh, the training, so it was an actual yeah. leave. Yeah, so – so it was the big, it was the big prep to go to Iraq. You guys were either at Graf. I think, I think you either, I think you guys had just came back from Graf, and you guys were on your thirty day leave, so Christmas leave. Okay. Um, and there was like hardly anybody at the barracks. Um, I got picked up by Barkus. Um, I don't know if you remember. Barkus. Oh yeah, hell yeah, Rest man. In peace, yeah. man. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and we, I don't think we mentioned him before, and he was a Bravo Company guy that that didn't make it through. Um, the first deployment so yeah 
you know. No, uh, we, we we have talked about them when we talked about. Oh, the, I missed uh, it. I, I apologize. I, I well, no, no. It's I mean, just here and there when, we, when we've talked about, um, you know, the ICDC compound getting hit by that V bid and turning it into a PB Razor. Um, and losing those. I missed guys. that. E- I must have missed that episode. That, that was the one that I, I must not. Have, I must not listen to. Um, I mean, like I said, we just we just kind of talked about it briefly, but I don't know that we've really gone into great detail about that specific event. No, um, nah, we, we haven't. Fuck that event, man. Like he was a cool ass dude, man. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And I, you know, I I I show up in Germany, like no, like you know, no idea what's going on, man. And he's like, we get to the, the the barracks, like the the sergeant who was in. I forgot who the like HQ sergeant was. He was like, no drinking for three days, right? Yeah. And then like next thing you know, like knocking the door, there's Barker said, hey, come on with us, and we we go to the the PX. He's like, all right, let's. He, he has me carry like a thirty pack back with him. He's got two thirty packs, <laughs> and sure as shit, like the very first day, I'm a soldier at one two six infantry. Like man, like the HQ sergeant is yelling at me because I got a case of beer um and and barker's like no nah, i just made him carry it so it was good and i got to drink a few later on so it was all good <laughs> but it was wild it was wild because you know there was a few other people back minez was back there um oh yeah uh, he, he 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 wasn't able to go on leave that time um we're not going to talk about why but i i don't think he got to go on leave uh, uh, for during then but he was back there so it was and and like there was a couple of guys that had been there just a couple of weeks, like Bowman, um, a few of the younger guys that hadn't made it through graph. And, and so there was this really kind of like big niche of, uh, you know, new guys coming all really terrified. And then you guys all come back from leave and this shit show happens, man. And it, we, we had it so good. We had it for like 30 days, just a bunch of like rear D people, like new privates in Germany. I was 18 years old in Germany. Like it was great. Nobody else in Schweinfurt. And, and then next thing you know, like the entire brigade's back and we're getting ready to go to war. And you talk about basic training being shit, stupid. Like that was serious. And, and but, you know, it, it, it was, it was, you know, it was getting ready to, to go do some really crazy stuff, you know? What platoon or uh, who were you assigned to when you got to Bravo? I was in first platoon. So, what uh, what was really cool is it, while some of the some of the coolest people in the world were part of that uh, in processing class that came right before while you guys were on leave and two of the people were Sergeant Mac and Sergeant Baggett and oh, I was okay. in, I, I got to in process with Sergeant Mac and Sergeant Baggett and then you know uh, there's the other group of folks um, that I did too but um, I Sergeant Mac took over first platoon Sergeant Baggett took over second platoon. And, and me and Sergeant Mac got, you know, kind of hit it off right off the get go. And I, I remember him driving me over to, to get like all of, all of my gear over at where like CIF or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 but, but first platoon, um, and it, it was really, it was really cool. We had a really awesome, really awesome platoon, I think at that time, um, a good mix of like older guys. And then some, I think some newer guys too, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, it, it was kind of, I think it's really, that part is probably one of the biggest blurs of the entire, my entire military career, because it was only a few months, you know, you think about getting out of basic training, getting to Germany in December, and then in February, you're in Iraq or in, yeah. in, in Kuwait. I mean, you, you talk about, I, I was 18 years old. Like I, I, I they, they sent me to one saw range. Like I went to one saw range in area Mike. Hey, you guys there. 
Yeah, yeah. Where oh yeah. Good. Man, Thank my you. bad. That worked out. No, that's all good. And I, I, I remember exactly where I left off too. <laughs> all right, far away. <laughs> I was, I said, it was the entirety of my training was a saw range before I went to went to Kuwait with with, with the entire you know with the entire company. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. So, so that hit me like Kevin always says like um, there was a really short turnaround for some of his classes. You are one of those kind of dudes that had a really short turnaround after basic. Like you were from from boom <laughs> basic training, graduate basic training, go and leave, and then get to your station, and then you're you're gone like that. <clears throat> How did that, I mean, how did that affect your your home family life back home? Man, I, I mean, it goes back even far. I mean, it, it went back to the minute that I signed that paper to 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 transition to active army infantry. I knew, and and with the Germany with with that Germany, you know, marker, like mm-hmm. I knew I was going to go to Iraq within the next six months. Like, so I'll tell you, there, there was a little bit of a period of time, like a couple weeks period of time between like me going to basic training and, you know, and let me tell you what, it, it was just like, it, it started that cycle of on, off, on, off for a long time. So I guess that I, I get, I guess like, you know, the, the biggest like period, it was like, like prepping to go to Kuwait, which was, I mean, it, it was just a blur really um, not very much, a lot of, a lot of spending time in the, like the hallways, man, you know, mm-hmm. I, I remember, I remember a, uh, a, a team building exercise. Um, we don't talk about other things that the, the, the we, we decide that we do not do in the military, like hazing. Um, and and absolutely the, not. The team wanted to know if I was if I was tough enough to 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 you know I I, I guess and 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 that night a, a large group of folks and and like I, I got to take a step back and say like how much like I think my group of young guys looked up to like you and 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 like that entire group of Kosovo folks for like me like. I mean, I mean, not to be like be, be a jerk, like you, Griff, Kevin, Brown, um, you guys. Like, I, I mean, I really, really looked up to you guys. Um, Landry from First Platoon, who was someone I, I really looked up, but but you guys were like, I mean, like, like Ke- I remember like Kevin, you teaching like a, a saw class, like in that stupid like kitchen. And yeah. I just be like, man, that guy, like, like when I'm a specialist, I'm going to be like that guy. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, that's stupid. I mean, it sounds stupid, but that's how I mean, but that's like the idea of the military. Like, that's what we, we, we all do is like, it's like you're always doing that, right? Every step, like, because you're looking at that E5 and be like, I yeah. want to be in five that's telling the specialist to teach a class, right? And then, yeah. and so, so I mean, like, I mean, I really looked up to a lot of you guys, and I think that that entire group of people looked up to you guys as that real tight knit group. and I mean, you guys were tough as nails. I mean, you guys were tough as shit to us. I mean, par- I mean, like, man, walking the hallways of, of 209, man. <laughs> Come on. Like, we need to do a complete segment just on that. Like, um, you know, the bees. Um, but, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, bar- Barracks Life could be a whole, I mean, a whole series, man. We could probably do a whole damn, oh, I would say man. probably six episodes where we can really cover down, like. We would have Life- to be a very heavily edited and, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lawyer yeah. involved. Or something. <laughs> can can we say this? <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, but but I mean, it was it was an intense life. I mean, it was I mean like inspections, inspections, inspections. I mean like staying up to twelve o'clock at night, like you guys were talking before. And like again, like at the time, you're thinking like this is the stupidest things in the world. I want to learn how to like go f- like like 
like let's go wrestle or something you know what i mean but, yeah right bro i We're just sitting... want to go to sleep i don't know what you're talking about Fuck, i don't know man. it's you fucking know? 12 o'clock in the yeah. morning we out here i mean two three in the morning we're buffing floors for yeah. what i'm like man you gotta be up at four in the morning yeah. for another room inspection that we're gonna fail like yep. my, my bed is always my there's, bed there's is, something is... something's gonna be wrong something's gonna be wrong my bed is the shit time. right now man you don't even know as, as hard as you check try, it out. right and yeah. you know that's that's back in the time, right? We're we're pressing our uniforms. Like I mean, like one of the first lessons I got there was like how to press your uniform. A lesson that I was the last generation of that. I think I think you know unless there was like a few in between, like our deployment, right? But yeah, you know, Kevin, how, how does that work out with your kids uh, with with the whole that pressing uniforms and not not shining boots? What do you mean? Like in like basic training, you, you, yeah, you guys are done with that shit. How does that work out for for you guys? You see that? Do you ever tell us stories about it back in your day, back man. in the uh, back oh, in yeah, the olden time, the time days? Oh yeah, no, I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen that meme on the internet where like if you wore this uniform, you're old as fuck now, or like you know what I'm saying it has like uh, uh the, the the you know the different uniforms. You got the the dead, the the current one, the multicam or not the multicam, but the scorpion, then the digital, and then the DCU, and then the BDU, and it says if you wore the BDU, the grunt paw. And, uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of wild to think that like, you know, I've been in for 20 years and yeah, that's the uniform that I wore. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I have soldiers, I, t- and I tell them, like, look, we used to like, you know, in basic training, we would sit on our ammo cans, a five, five, six ammo can oh, man. and mm. polish boots for hours on end, hours. not saying a single word, because if you said a word, everybody got dropped. And that was, <laughs> that was the end of it. You know what I mean? And, and honestly, man, like I, I know in the blue book, Baron Von Steuben talks about like the basis of discipline is drill and ceremony, right? But I would like to add to that also shining boots for hours on end <laughs> while sitting on an uncomfortable ammo can without being able to say a word is also one of the the the, the, the basis for discipline because man, and especially for somebody like <laughs> I'm ADD, you know what I'm saying? So I gotta talk, I gotta be moving, I gotta do something, I gotta say something. So. <laughs> But yeah, man, like talking to private side, like, I mean, they, I mean, they, their schedule is still full. Don't get me wrong, but like, they don't, they don't know the joys of, of, of making sure their uniform, because with Velcro and zippers and also stuff, you I'm sorry, can't, you can't say you Velcro. You can't make it look good. You can't make it look good, man. And like, think about the, the hours, think about the hours in the barracks though, like with your, like with your roommate or with, yeah. you know, when you're a private, like, like, I remember just like spending time, like going over like the, you know, that infantry handbook and like mm-hmm. rubbing the boots, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. For out, you know. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say uh, there was times in the barracks where th- these guys won't get those kind of times that we got sitting around no. reading those fucking books and shining boots or. And you could we see never who gave a shit. We, you could see yeah. who gave a shit. That was. Yeah. I, I think that was one of the most important parts of it. You yeah. could see who gave a shit. I mean. Um, when it came to your leaders, uh, you could see who gave a shit, the, the people who show, or not even leaders. I mean, everybody, your, your peers, right. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. You know, you would see who showed up on Monday with like the, like the halfway broken down, you know, uniform, not saying that I, 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 I showed up plenty of times halfway broken down, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was something, especially for like the, you know, the Sergeant Gills, man, like, and Absher's and 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 Sam Lee, you know these guys, especially like 82nd Airborne guys. I mean, uh, Max and back. I mean, those guys came in looking like you're like, okay, they, like they yeah. they spent like an hour especially, to get dressed to come to to yeah. PT, man. Especially with the berets, because 
So, I mean, now we're back to wearing patrol caps and, you know, all of our patches and everything go on. Like they just, there's like a hook and loop. And, um, you know, you'll see, so you'll see soldiers, you know, their, their U S flag is crooked. Like how hard is it to put that thing on there center and straight? It's not, you know, your, your, your unit patch, you know, it, it goes center on the Velcro pocket. Um, like it's not that difficult. And yet you'll see, you'll see soldiers, mess that up and i'm not talking about people in basic training either i'm talking about like people in the regular army and it's wild to me to think that like that literally takes all of like two seconds to put that patch on correctly but you go back 15 16 17 years ago when we're sitting around polishing boots and ironing uniforms i mean that was a whole thing you got off of work and you did your um before you did anything that evening or sunday during you know because that was our recovery day because we're drinking six days a week um, heavily <laughs> and then you know sunday we're like you know we're like hydrating slash having a couple beers and doing oh, yeah, our yeah. uniforms and cleaning our barracks rooms like that was the absolute norm i mean now no, man, those just were throw some of my best memories man those are yeah. some right, of my absolutely. best oh, memories in there and, drinking a beer and shining boots and, and getting ready for the next morning you know mm-hmm. in advance good memory yeah. Or getting getting ready for an ass chewing right like you, like you know an ass chewing coming okay like so like i'm gonna I'm going to get my, my room completely immaculate. I'm going to, I'm going to extra press my pants and extra polish my boots. So when I get my, my ass to, I'm going to look oh, good man. doing it at least, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's it's morning time. For, hey, not enough people talk about the ass chewings man. we've gotten. Like, right. Everybody on this, on, on this show has gotten plenty of ass chewings, right? Like, you oh, know, man. and, and like, like the thing, the thing I, I love about civilian life is like, the, the the severity of like ass chewings like i remember when i first got out of the military like i remember hearing an argument one time and people were like oh man that guy got it was a college professor he got upset and i'm like what are you talking about like <laughs> that's crazy right you know <laughs> okay so let, let's uh let's move this along here where i don't i don't want to get muddled down and stuff yep as as i like to say let's get this shit going uh so what was the preparation for you personally um, getting ready to get on that plane to leave? How much can I drink in a, in, in a short amount of time was, was one, <laughs> of the, one, one of the numbers. Getting in shape. I mean, I mean, training up. I mean, I, I was trying to read as much as I could. I, I'm a, I, was a, I like history. I was trying to, trying to read, a little, read a little bit, but it was really partying a little bit, I think. And mm-hmm. what was cool is first platoon, um, right off the get go, we we got two we got two new leaders. So we got Sergeant Mac, um, uh, mm-hmm. Jeffrey McKenney, who was our first mm-hmm. sergeant. Who was just he had every tab you could ever think of. Um, amazing guy, just just an amazing leader. And we had Lieutenant Sokol, mm-hmm. um, and he was an ex Special Forces um, Sergeant First Class. So our our lieutenant was an was an was was an ex E seven Special for- Green Beret. And we Sweet. also had, you know, a ranger tabbed, you know, tabbed out um, first sar- or a platoon sergeant. And um, we, we got tasked to be uh, P, uh, uh, PSD for Colonel Dragon and the brigade uh, for the first three months of the deployment. And so that meant we went in a little bit earlier. Um, we, we, didn't, we didn't do the same convoy as you guys. And we convoyed to Decrit instead of to Samara, Samara. So what we did was we took over brigade headquarters in uh, one of uh, uh, Saddam Hussein's uh, son's uh, uh, palaces. It was called Pal- uh, uh, Bob. It was Danger, I think. It was Danger, or, or mm-hmm. yeah, Danger. And it was it was right outside of Decrit, like on the 
uh, decrit, Samara side of decrit. Okay. And um, mm-hmm. it was the brigade H- HQ for the, insec- in the, the entire uh, second BCT. And um, that was where, um, so, so we did the same thing. We took that giant convoy and it was like, you know, man, I could think about, I could, I could tell you tons of stories, you know, but it was just so long, right? You go, it, it was like three days of driving pretty much nonstop a little bit. Of sleep. And, and that's when you really knew you were like in the shit, you know, before that you had, you'd been doing some training in Kuwait um, I remember going to a couple of the first like really cool training at like, cause again, like I was an 18 year old kid with no training um, at all. Like no, no CQB um, at, to, to, to speak of no actual team building. So, and, and I'm a dumbass. I mean, like a dumbass kid, you know I mean? Pretty much you're 18 years old trying to yeah. figure this out and you're in Kuwait, you know, trying to make sure, you know, learning all this stuff that a lot of you guys had learned during, you know, Kosovo or during, the graph, all that's even like the guys that were went through graph that that had went through Kosovo were like light years ahead of us. And but I remember going to a couple of ranges where it was like you know the first time we we learned how to react to combat like like re- react to fire from from a convoy, you know things like that. It was, it was I mean completely different mentality when we when we were in Kuwait and we were there for a few weeks, you know. Um, and that I mean talk about a, a like nine day scenario right like going from germany to germany in the middle of winter to kuwait um mm-hmm. into you know was camp new york i mean massive miles of walking around in the desert you know oh, yeah, just man. to just to go to the bathroom you know whatever oh or, yeah or, or the chow crazy you, stuff you mentioned a few times uh about the training or lack thereof at that point for you do you think that that was something that affected you going into that uh, deployment? No, hundred um, percent. I, I I did not feel prepared at all to go to Iraq. Wow, at all zero. Um, I, I I I was I mean that was probably the biggest worry I had um, was was that right there. And yeah, I mean I mean, and that's not a good thing to do when you're going to war. I mean, and that's what's scary about it. I mean, like I was like, man, well, I I hope I'm better than them. You know, like I don't. You know what I mean? Like that's that's wild because on the flip side, man, I feel like we couldn't have been more prepared at that point. Really, oh, I think. Nah. I, I think Kevin could probably attest to the fact that yeah, oh, sure, you I, can I get believe more it. Training, no, I believe but, it. I believe it. Yeah, we were the veterans for that that uh, group. Uh, we yeah. had training through our nostrils. We're we're good. We 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 know what to do. Don't worry about it. No nah, man, those classrooms in the chow in, in the in the little like day room just didn't cut it, man. <laughs> like um, <laughs> that wasn't live fire at, at no nah, man. You, you know you got you got to get out there. Man. You got to get out there and, and move with your people, man, and and yeah. and learn how each one of you you know engages and interacts, reacts, you know things like that, so you can anticipate that sort of stuff. Um, but so, I mean, you, what you're what you're what you're talking about though, like in previous episodes, we've talked with like plenty of people who were with us either you know in Kosovo or halfway through Kosovo or before Kosovo. Um, so when when we talked to those people, when we talked about we we talk about like you know the, the 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 cohesiveness that was built during that time and just learning each other and being able to know each other, like being able to identify each other in in the pitch uh, black just by how they walk. You know what I'm saying, and now you know, you're talking about coming to this unit and, and knowing absolutely nothing other than what you learned in basic training and a couple of classes you had in a, in a, in a, in a kitchenette, you know? Um, so that's, that's two extremes. Um, and, and I think that's, uh, 
you know, like Tyree mentioned earlier, uh, in 2009, when I did stuff on the trail, a lot of my soldiers were deploying. The average deployment time after completion of AIT was 63 days. So 63 days, they were off to somewhere, uh, Iraq or Afghanistan or some, somewhere in man. support. And, and you're, you're in that same boat. And it's kind of wild to think about, man. Like, I don't know. I can't, I can't relate. You know, I mean, I graduated basic training in AIT and, not, you know, three days after 9-11. I assumed that I was going to go to war straight away, but it didn't happen. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it's kind of a wild uh, thought for sure to be like, like you're just like thrown straight into the mix. It's like, look, man, we're dude, all I'm on like board. 150 Get on board. kid, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like really, you want to think about it. You know what I mean? Like I was like a 150 pound kid that partied in high school. And like that was, that was smart that partied, you know? I mean, like that needed, that knew I needed college, but I also knew I needed, you know, I needed some other stuff and that's like, it was this perfect opportunity for me. And, but still I was that kid. I mean, I was still a kid. And what was really cool is when we got to, we, we did that big, you know, caravan to, to crit, mm-hmm. um, we got there and it was like, you, you had to be so perfect. And I got assigned to a really cool job. And like, again, like I, I mean, again, I, I look at things in a really big picture thing. I've, I've done it all my life and, and I got assigned to, I was, the, I, was a saw, I was a saw gunner. Again, I hadn't shot the saw ever, but I was a saw gunner, so I got to be a, a saw gunner on Humvee for the uh, – I can't think of what X would – XO or, uh, or S whatever it was, but it was the uh, civil affairs you know, major for second BCT. So I spent most of my days in a political building in Tikrit for three months. Um, we would go there every morning almost um, – there was a driver, I was a gunner, and I, I just would go in there and like I would listen to uh, this all these like crazy people with suits on showing up, um, Americans um, talking about government affairs, trying to rebuild the country and stuff like that. It was it was crazy and wild. Spent a lot of time actually on the the dagger comp or the danger compound in Tikrit, which was like the like like Saddam's uh, presidential like compound. It was massive. That was where all the political buildings were, and like. You know, the, the guy that was the czar of Iraq, like, I mean, I used to see him like on a pretty regular basis back then. Um, I, I, was it Brennan? I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Um, but they would be showing up in their like, you know, cruisers. But back then, you know, when we first got there, you know, this, I guess, like, we were still, you know, we were the first group to replace the invasion folks, um, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, did we lose somebody or? Haven't dropped out, but you can keep going. I'm sure it's right, so, no, but we, we were the first, you know, group to replace the invasion of Iraq. And people don't, you know, we gotta remember that. So, I mean, it was it was really, you know, at a point where there wasn't even that much, like we weren't even having that much combat at the start. And it just kind of started to escalate. Mm-hmm. You know, as that deployment went on. And I mean, in the first three months, we really didn't see that much into crit, but then it started to sneak up, it started to sneak up, and then you know, we're into crit and you guys are down in Samaria and we're starting to hear it really start to pick up there. And then yeah. we start to get a little bit, you know, into crit. So what but, was the first time, the uh, first uh, actual contact you got that you can man, remember? It was leaving, it was leaving the gates of, uh, uh, of, I think it was, I, I got to make sure I get the names right. I'm, I'm maybe I, I'm, I'm going to put them backwards. There's danger and there's dagger. I think Dagger was 
the uh, small base brigade. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, yeah. So we were leaving the gates of the big gate mm-hmm. and it was this nasty area to crit. Like it was, I mean, to crit was this nat. I mean, high rise buildings and, you know, about a block away from it, we, we got engaged and, you know, as a saw gunner, you're and and like, we're talking about saw gunner early 2004. So I got a chicken shield and that's it. <laughs> and we're in a scout Humvee. I mean, we're not even like up armor Humvee. So, um, Explain, that was a, a, that, explain chicken chill for folks who don't know. Oh, man. It, it, it's simply a little piece of metal. I mean, and that was a big upgrade. I mean, I was really happy when I got that chicken shield for, for the first month. We just had the saw up on top. So it was just me hanging out the top of the Humvee, like waist above the Humvee and a, and a gun. Um, and, and then a, a month later, we got chicken shield. So it was a very a, a nice piece of metal like that would kind of conforms around um your gun your gun has a slot in the middle of it your your machine gun and it protects you if there's bullets coming exactly from the front um at you and that was all we had at the time and i was really happy i had that by the way (laughs) the little things (laughs) the little things and i had a very a very small seat i mean this was before um you know all the upgrades so you had like a like a two inch nylon like strap that you sat on and you had to like swing a turret around um, before even the cranks and all of that good stuff. Um, but that chicken shield was a lot better than not having a chicken shield. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, I was. Uh, I found myself on top of that gun or uh, on top of the uh, saw or fifty once during our deployment, and I did not want to do that ever again. No fun. Yeah. So my hats off to you guys and the uh, freaking Humvees and doing all those kind of convoy security deals because that would seem like a fucking nightmare to me. No, but I, I think one of the cool parts about that was, was one we were at this like cool palace. So we we had a swimming pool. Um, oh fuck yeah. you! We had a swimming pool. It was one of it was Saddam Hussein's son's swimming pool. It was pretty awesome. We had a barber on fucking base. It was great. What? And, like it was, Man, it was terrifying because he he, he he used a straight right edge razor and like. I, I mean, we're eighteen year old kids. But like, I mean, it was pretty terrifying. He was just like a regular Iraqi guy. From from oh, down the street, go to you know. The bathroom and shave your own face. Well, yeah. <laughs> but but what but what was cool about that time, I guess, was like one, I I we I got to see the bigger picture of it. One, I I, I think a lot of my military careers, a, a lot of like starting to understand the bigger picture thing. Maybe not being the best soldier in the world, but like mm-hmm. understanding the bigger picture of things, like working on that side of things. Yeah, it's pretty and, cool that you guys got to you got to see that because I I'd never got anywhere near any of that. And and stuff. for me being like a history buff, it was kind of cool because like I'm like like I read the news every single day. Like I'm like I'm like watching the stuff going on as I'm over there. Um, but what was cool was we realized shit was starting to pick up. I remember we had some guys, um, a couple Humvees had was was in um, Samara during um, like there was something right before Easter Sunday. Um, where there was a there was a bit of an attack and ambush, and then the, then during Easter Sunday, I think we had a, we had another group of Humvees up there, and we started to get engaged. I remember like that was when like the tone changed, and like Sokil, who was like this SF SF guy, like started putting training in, in place, and like we started doing like real training, like night training, um, and it was just drilling, drilling CQB, like glass houses, like again and again, and, again. and we we did that in in, in Kuwait, but. I remember there was a point in time while we were at that base that like, I think there was an excuse that we got in trouble, but, but the reality of it, we started training really, really hard and like having like a 
XSF guy, like, and Sergeant Mac, like a Pathfinder, every tab in the book, Ranger, you know, training us. It was great. Um, and then I think three months into it, um, three months into it, we, we, we switched out. I think third platoon um, switched with us and, and we, we came down to, uh, we came down to Brassfield Mora. And at that moment, that was when like kind of a big shift happened because I think there was some changes in the, in the top brass, changes in like the top brass of like the battalion at the time and maybe in the company. And when I came down there, there was a big switch and, and I got put into headquarters company. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, man, I, I, and I'm not going to say I was a perfect soldier. I fucked up a few times, but, but totally, I'm, you know, totally, you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, people fuck up. Um, and I thought I was getting punished. And like, I remember Sokil coming up. He's like, look, take this as an opportunity to learn everything you can, because you're going to be hanging around with officers and NCOs and take it an opportunity to learn. And, I got really lucky. I got put in a really awesome truck uh, with the EXO, which was uh, Lieutenant Williams and um, Sam Lee, who was an 82nd Airborne guy um, that, that, that was friends with Absher, but he had never been the, I don't, I don't think he got deployed before. Um, he was like the straight edge, like hardcore guy, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. he didn't drink, but like he was as wild, as crazy as you get. And he was in charge of me. And it was, it was, it was great. But, but our headquarters platoon, um, you know, when we, when we came to Brassfield more, this was before, you know, prior to Baton Rouge and all of that. And this, I mean, three months into it, um, right when it was starting to pick up and it was, it was, I mean, it was really awesome. We still had, um, we hadn't, Sims hadn't, hadn't got picked up yet. It, it was, it was about a month before Sims got picked up, I think, but um, that was a whole nother world, right? So, so you guys have been down in Samara fighting, you know, for a few months and we come down, we saw limited stuff into crit, but some stuff. And then here we are like showing up like the new guys again. And then there's a switch around. So now I'm like, you know, in, in an entire another platoon. So it was, it was kind of a little wild. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead. Go, you got you good. I was just going to say, so, I mean, living life up in the crit, we you know do your personal swimming pool and somebody to shake his face <laughs> with a straight razor and go to- gold toilet seats coming down to coming back down to Brassville and being like, what in the hell? Strippers man? and everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. I mean, that, talk about that transition there. Cause I mean, no, it's wild, man. I mean, we've been down there a few. I mean, the, the thing is, we've been down there, right? So we came down there a few times. Like, I knew what it looked like. We knew what we were getting into. So it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And, and where we lived, we didn't live in, we didn't get to live in the, uh, we didn't get to live in the palace, right? We got to live in like what I'm pretty sure was before uh, we got there was the slaves quarters area, like like the places yeah. where it was like, I mean, it was, it was like, there was some really bad stuff that happened at that base that we went at. I mean, when you, when you go back and read the history of it, it was, it was, it was pretty messed up. The sons, you I can't think of their names anymore. Uday and who who say something like that. But that Uday was their, who say yeah, was, they're wilding. The dead a, and dead one uh, too. You can you can all you guys have to do is look look up the history of that that place and it's it's pretty messed up. It, yeah. Yeah, I know they did some real bad stuff to those guys, and you guys lived in those quarters where they lived. Oh man, That's, yeah. Uh, can only imagine some of the things that uh, happened in there. Yeah. 
So you guys make it back to us anyway. And uh, life's different. Well, who do you stay in uh, with your uh, in your connexes? Who are you staying with? Man, you know, I've been trying to remember exactly. Man, I, I can't remember exactly the connexes. And, and like, I think that it was it was me and elders. Um, Fud. If I don't, I, oh yeah, mention yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I I can't remember. I think maybe it was it was Towner also. Uh, t- but like, I'm trying to think of like our group, right? So it was like Benefield, Towner, Caldwell, and I, I and there was bigger group. But like, I'm thinking about like the core group of us. It was, so it was like Joe Caldwell. Towner, um, Benefield, Sizemore, Youngblood, me, um, Sam Lee, and I'm probably missing a bunch of other people too. <clears throat> there was other folks like Razak and some other folks I can't really. Oh, Sullivan was a real. He was our he was our comms guy. Um, hats off to Sullivan. Um, his weapon was the radio. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, a few other folks, but but that was a core group. So so like I think like the core group of like the Humvee guys were like when you think about it, it was Towner, uh, Lee, myself, um, Benefield, Caldwell, uh, Youngblood, and then we were the we were the either drivers or gunners for the uh, captain, the first sergeant, um, the XO, the FSO, um, and it was just a really cool experience because here you are as like these like privates like. And but but not only are you in charge of the Humvees, you're also always ma- main, maintaining the talk. So like on top, like your duty is always to be on the. T- so like you might be a private, but you're having to work comms with um, headquarters while second platoon is engaging. You know assholes. Um, you know, just north of uh, Falcon in, in in the reeds. You know. So um, you so. you got to actually hear a lot of really cool stuff that happened uh, on the air while uh, we're out there doing shit. Everything. I mean, everything. I mean, I mean. So so for, I I, I remember getting a lot. I mean, I, I'm going to take one step back and say a lot of people give headquarters platoons folks a bunch of shit, man. And <laughs> not saying that every single person got sent to headquarters because there was hot shit or whatever it is, but and, and maybe they're not all perfect, but. Uh, the reality of it is the experience you get as a headquarters um, person, especially in combat is really, really interesting and cool because you have, you have to look at everything as a very young person, even if you're just a driver or a gunner, um, you're always having to have a radio. You're always having to look into the map. You're always having to hear how everything's going on because even in your room, you got a radio because you're always on call because if something goes on, the captain's going to run out there to it, especially if you've got a captain like rack rock or a first sergeant like Sims. Yeah. So even though we might not have been in, you know, in every like stack going in the door, if there was stuff going on, we, we were hearing it for sure. And, and a lot of times we were re- relaying that information, whether it was to, you know, um, back to battalion or to brigade. So you got to have a lot of I mean, a big picture of the, of the fight going on, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, you got a really intimate view of everything that was going on that that even we didn't even know. I mean, we're out there in the middle of it, but you guys actually hear the communications that we're not hearing. That's crazy. I can't imagine uh, hearing that squawk of the radio uh, in that room that you're staying in would be a little uh, menacing at some point, wouldn't it? I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, and especially when you you think about it, like you know. You're, you're, you know, if you're a patrol out, right, you're, you're patrolling at night, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning, you guys get engaged, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one, it's going to shake you guys up a little bit. 
you're going to get surprised. But the thing about you're sitting in a, in a, in a room, you know, you got a computer screen in, screen in front of you, uh, a radio. And then next thing you know, like all hell's breaking at, breaking loose and you hear it, you know, with the gunfire in the city, but you're also hearing on the radio and your job as like an 18 year old kid is to disseminate that to the, the captain and wake them up and disseminate it to battalion. And like, that's what we had to do. You know, I, I mean, not all of us were 18, but you know, that was kind of, you know, a nightly nightly kind of thing. That's fucking heavy, man. That's yeah. not an easy job at all. That's, that's and, and, I, I, and, and I guess the cool part of it is you also got to see a lot of the stuff. You got to be, I guess, part, part of a lot more, like more on a broader scale. So, mm-hmm. right. welcome back to Before I Forget. Waiting on Will. This is going good, I think. I think. Yeah. <laughs> How's the finger? What happened with the hand? Uh, man, it's just bleeding everywhere. I mean, it's I got the bleeding to stop, but it's and it's right like uh where the pinky meets the palm that crease there on the outside. Oh, so it's in, it's in the crease and it's in my karate chop inside. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> fortunately, I'm, a, I'm, I'm right handed. Um, so if we ever get into a fight, you know, like a, you know, a karate chop with the left hand, you're probably safe. Okay, good. Good to know. Yeah. Good to yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. Man, we're yeah. on the stories. Oh, yeah, man. Um, you know, you can definitely you can definitely go on. He can talk. Uh, which is good because uh, that makes our job a lot easier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. We don't have to pull any stories out of him. Nope. That's why I, I was really happy to have him on because I know that he'd be able to fill us in uh, on a lot of stuff that was going on behind the scenes. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like you were saying, man, like doing like headquarters stuff while we were out there doing stuff, like um, like he like he like he said, you know, what I'm saying like you know headquarters might you know get a lot of shit talked about him, but um, they're doing a pile of other things, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause the commander or the, the, you know, the company command team needs all of these people to like make, you know, their lives easier and to make everything run kind of behind the scenes so that what we're doing out there goes even better. And on top of that, like they're also engaged in combat. So, I mean, it is a, mm-hmm. it is a whole lot of all that. Yeah. I would, I can never imagine living in the room with that radio going off mm-hmm. hearing constant shit going on all the time. I think that well, psychologically that would fuck me up in the head. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Um, and I mean, you think about like living in the uh, in the in the connexes and waiting for fucking mortar rounds to come in. Well, so now they're waiting for mortar rounds, rockets, and all that stuff, and for the for the radio to blow up. Jeez. I mean, it's just nonstop. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> Things that yeah. you don't think about. Yeah. Well, dude, when I was the radio man, like we didn't. Uh, I didn't. You know, I didn't have to sit there and listen to it, but I just had to wait for. Lieutenant Gunther or whoever wrestling to come kick in the door and be like, Johnson, let's fucking go. It's wartime. That's no fun. But I just want to sleep and eat uh, hot pockets. <laughs> sleep and eat hot pockets. Or pop tarts, whatever you prefer. Do we have hot pockets over there? I don't remember that. Depends on where you were. I was able to get procure some hot pockets from time to time. Oh yeah, from from where? Places I can't name. Right, sworn of secrecy. Right, sworn to secrecy over the. I mean, all these years later, he yeah, says he can't get back is, in. 
It's a secret. I cannot release release that information. Back again. Let's see. <clears throat> Waiting on Will. Waiting on Will. <clears throat> yeah, man. I couldn't imagine fucking sitting there waiting for the radio to go off. Like, man, I mean, cause that could be anytime. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, I feel like, I feel like when you, when you did, uh, when you were working as a cop, I mean, it's, it's, I feel like it was probably pretty similar, right? Hey, like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> like you never it's, know, it's... You, you never know when you're going to get a wild, wild ass call, come across the net and being like, Hey, go here, do this. You know what I mean? So I imagine, you know, Will sitting there in the Connex just with that radio, you know, sitting silent for however long. And the next thing you know, it's blowing up and saying shit's, you know, shit's popping off. I mean, can I tell you a story real quick? Absolutely yeah, not. Okay, never mind. So I'm sitting on the radio <laughs> real funny. It's a pretty funny one, right? And you're you're mm-hmm. sitting on the radio, and you got to relay the message that comes from the field all the way to battalion. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'm pretty sure it was Sergeant Gill, um, but maybe it was somebody else. And you know, we we've got a we've got a you know, Bradley Humvee group coming in, um, one of the platoons coming in from the patrol. Boom, big old IED goes off, you know? And the the message comes over the, the radio and it's What? Did we lose you? Well, I think we lost him. Yeah. <clears throat> I was thinking, man, this fucking better be a good story. <laughs> so good he left the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Hopefully he'll be able to just read and click on. And now we just completely fell off. Are you there, Kevin? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Well, I think he's uh he probably backed out and then just could probably come back in in five, yeah. four, three, two, one. Damn. That's a good shot. Yeah. Worth the effort. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so are you keeping up with all the plans for the trip uh no i mean i, I talked to sabrina about it pretty much every day um because we uh we kind of uh communicated back and forth on the whole nashville thing so she feels comfortable with like talking to me about stuff okay i think i'm back yeah, yeah. you're back so back to the store man i'm sorry where did i leave off you were uh, uh, IED. Big explosion. <laughs> Big yeah. explosion. Came out over the net. Yeah. Big boom. Yeah, that's Sergeant Gill. And the the, the 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 message I got relayed was that, that a donkey um, that had a cart on it had blown up. That was at uh, Uvani. It was it was right outside of Uvani. I know we skipped yep. I think I skipped ahead a little bit, but um but yeah, so <coughs> so I had the relay to headquarters or to battalion that, that, that there was a donkey born IED yeah. um, that had hit our convoy. And I had to then explain that a donkey had exploded um, uh, yeah. trying to blow our convoy <laughs> That's so, one of those pretty good radios. That, 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 that was after us. Huh? PETA, they're going to be after us for your yeah, donkey no born IED And we story. didn't do it. We, we didn't, didn't do it. it. No, no. He to go after those motherfuckers that did the donkey. We See, love. The I remember one time we had an all like all hands on deck because two donkeys started walking into Yuvani, yeah. and we didn't know if they had explosives or not. And like we did, like we had a Bradley out, like searching it from top to bottom, trying yeah. to scare it away. It wouldn't. It, <laughs> they wouldn't turn around. 
they didn't have anything on them. But I mean, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, it was- so what's what's kind of crazy to think? I mean, I got two things on that. So like that donkey born IED. Uh, when we were in Kosovo, going, I, I remember going as far back as the Kosovo. Uh, Love used to make the joke about having a uh, uh, donkey born. Uh, what was it? A, a donkey carrying like uh, surface to air missiles, or you know, donkey carrying explosives or whatever. So for the longest, it was like this running joke. So for us to like be in Iraq and then encounter an actual donkey born IED, it was kind of like that whole running joke coming like full circle being like, Oh shit, now nah, it's a real thing. <laughs> um, but when you talk about like these, donkey, you know, like, you know, the animals coming into the, the patrol base um, or wandering near the gate or in your convoys and people being, you know, people listening might be like, it's just an animal. So <clears throat> during that time, it wasn't uncommon to find uh, IEDs stashed inside of often dead animals but i mm-hmm. mean you know for those of you who handle cattle or you know live in a rural area and know how like you know certain things go down with cattle like you can put an entire arm inside of a cow uh you know to check it, you know its pregnancy to help to help get them pregnant to to, to birth a calf so the thing the same thing could possibly i don't know shit about donkeys i'm just gonna throw that out there but i can see the same thing being true for a donkey so like you you know there could absolutely be an ied stuffed into a living animal walking you know into our base or our convoy so it's a whole thing man like you think about combat in 2004 or you know a little bit before you know sometime after like everything is a threat Everything. You didn't know what was coming at you. That was the thing. Like, right? Yeah. What? You didn't what? know. None of us knew what was going on. I remember. And and again, we're gonna fast forward a little bit. I remember a moment. Like, I mean, I, I I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I mean, I know I've talked a shit ton, so I'm gonna talk about <laughs> just a couple of moments, right? Like, I remember being in Uvani right after, like, right as we, right after we got into Baton Rouge, right? Like early on, and, and I'm gonna just thirty seconds on this. I'm sitting there with Sergeant Baggett. He must be like walking around his room. Yeah. I just thought about it. Like, what if like you had to draw straws for jobs on the terrorist side, <laughs> and you got like the the dude who had to plug up the donkey with the explosives, the live ones, <laughs> not the dead ones. The dead ones are the guy over there. That's his job. You got the you got the alive ones. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, good luck with good luck. Good luck with that. Habib. That's your job. Like, Habib. if you don't Habib. do it, if you don't do it, <laughs> yeah. it's over for you. <laughs> you're you're off the team. Yeah. <laughs> no, no Allah for you. <laughs> I mean, I even I wouldn't even say that. I'm like, man, can I like be the lookout? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Can I? I don't know. Can I, can I do anything? Anything else? No, you're the you're the hand in the donkey's ass guy. Yeah, that's you. That's, that's you. you. That's your job. <laughs> Deal with it. So, and the so guy funny. over there who's the lookout is like laughing at shit. Yeah. Even though he has like the lowest life expectancy out of the whole group, you know. Yeah. Lookout. Right. Because we're yeah we're gonna shoot that guy. Yeah, that's an easy easy layup. But the donkey guy, meanwhile. <laughs> the donkey guy. We just had the donkey's ass. <laughs> oh man, he's sucks. To, sucks to suck, man. Sucks. To but suck. he's safe. He yeah, but no now, worries. now is now his arm's gonna smell like donkey shit. You know what I mean? That's I mean, grand scheme of things. Yeah. How would you feel like? Come on, 
I'm the guys to look out. Look out number seven of the week. Hey. <laughs> hey. And so another week at it, man. And I think that I've got an app going now. It works a lot better like that. The last time it dropped, and it was running through like just like clicking the link, man. Wow. Wild stuff. You missed the pretty rousing conversation about being a oh, yeah. donkey guy. Yeah. Oh man. Where, quick question. Where, where quick question. Yeah, quick question. question, Will. I gotta ask you, and I just me and Kevin just worked this out. Would you rather be the lookout or the donkey guy? Oh man. Oh man. So you know what's cool? I'm in I'm I'm featured. <laughs> I'm featured in a big red one magazine, all right? One of the big red one magazines from 2004. I'm featured in it. And it's me on the top of Yuvani operating the LRAS. And I don't know if you, if for people who don't know what the LRAS was, the LRAS was a thermal in, imagery site. And we, we put it on the top of this four-story building. You could thermal image out to like, like look at people at like eight miles or something like that. So at night, one of our jobs was to spend hours and hours looking through this thermal imagery site. And I'm telling you what, we saw some pretty wild stuff. Um, and I, to answer your question, I mean, uh, it, in, in, in my, my opinion, it, it usually took turns at positions, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> oh man, I'm talking about something completely different. <laughs> yeah, but when oh, I'm said, sorry, guys. When you said looking through these like these thermal like imaging devices like up eight miles away, like I knew exactly where you were going with it. <laughs> well, well man, I'm glad see it, Kevin, it, me and you are on on the right track, buddy. <laughs> you fell out of the conversation. So what we had was <laughs> out of the group of eight or nine dudes, terrorist cells. Okay, terrorist cell of dudes. One dude's like the killer. Two or three of them are the killer types. You know, one's the bomb planner. And then you got one guy who is just his job is to plant things in donkeys that are alive only. <laughs> so you can be that guy or you can That's be like the totally lookout. Totally as cool as my story, man. No, well, you know, you can be the lookout who is, you know, the low life expectancy. He's not going to make it. He's like there's nine or ten lookouts on the year average yeah oh man so would you take the lookout job or the uh the donkey job man i'll tell you what um i wouldn't want to be a lookout guy i mean guys really oh yeah like think about that right like donkey guy is probably back behind the scenes and stuff the lookout guy we we saw the lookout guy way more than we saw the guy that shot at us see there you go there you go so i think that's right i think that's right no that's absolutely right yeah I mean, the ROE tactically speaking, point. tactically speaking. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> ROE changed. ROE changed to where we were, um, you know, told to engage uh, spotters, people who we thought were spotters. Um, yeah. and we've talked about this in previous episodes, but a spotter, for those of you who are listening to, to us for the first time today, um, a spotter was somebody who would pretend to be waving at us, but actually waving to somebody on the other side. They were a signaler uh, to initiate uh, an attack or an ambush of some type. Um, and so and most of the times they were armed anyway, too. So, I mean, that was the thing. I mean, or they were about to be armed. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like they had, they, would, they would be, they would be, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to duck down and then pick up my RPG now. See? Right. Yeah. 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 See, yeah. this was a hell of a segue, wasn't it? Oh yeah. It worked out. I think so. Worked out. Yeah. See, it was a roundabout way to talking about when was the first time you saw your first lookout guy, or did you ever see one on the Man. street? Like, oh yeah, I, I think. I mean, so uh, again, I think one of the 
one of the things about being a, in, in headquarters, we were driving the Humvees and we were driving in between units all the time. So that was kind of, mm-hmm. we were either like supplying folks or doing stuff like that. So I, I got to like, think about like, again, part of the, I, I think part of my deployment again with the blur was like the period between when I first got to, when we first got to Samara. Right. And then like, and then whenever um, Razor happened, and what, and that was a period of time where we were doing a lot of big, big patrols into the city, in and out. Um, that was when uh, the mission accomplished happened, right? So, so we were doing just like random patrols. We were starting to get engaged a little bit. We were going into the city. We had the ODA house where we were we were uh, rotating in and out of, right? We we would go in and resupply them, um, but then you know the. W- the ODA fight happened. I remember that. Um, that was a that was a, a big one. And then you know ODA happened. And then it was like, and we could go deep into that. I've got a, a funny radio command that I'll tell you about from that later. But after ODA, that was when mission accomplished happened, and we pulled out of Samar completely, and then based up at Razor. And that was when we kind of changed. We kind of went to patrolling that um, southern area. We we started patrolling around there. Yeah, and, and and supporting Razor, but we weren't going into the city because at that time, right, like mission accomplishment that we were out of the cities. But the day that we left the city, I believe, like the entire like city went crazy, and you know, folks took it over. But 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 what's expected? You know, we were still fighting an enemy that was still an a, a Republican Guard brigade that was just that just took their uniforms off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. <clears throat> so, what were some of the uh, things that you remember fondly about that deployment? Man, uh, I, I think the, I'm, the camaraderie is the, the most important part of the entire military story, I think, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for most veterans, the shortest part of their lives is the time they serve in uniform. Um, mm-hmm. People don't really realize that. Um, when I, I think about my life in these big segments, right? When I grew up in Ireland, when I went to high school in Carbondale, Illinois, when I joined the military, when I became an apprentice in the, in, in, in the union, and then now when I took this big job in D.C. These are big segments in my life. Mm-hmm. My time in the military was seven years. That's only seven years out of my 37 years of life. Yeah, that's barely. Um, but anything. it was definitely the most impact, crazy, you know, part of it, you know, you know for sure. But you know, the memories. I mean, the learning, the experiences. Um, you know, I mean, just having to deal with situations of like, like trying to like coming in to resupply, you know, your platoon on the SF compound. And again, we're still new at this, and like as we're driving in, they're like. We're, we're, you know, we're coming in after like the main fighting and got done for a little while. And they're like, next thing you know, like all these bullets start going off and we just get this radio call. And it's like, don't worry. That's just some bodies that are burning from getting hit with a, you know, a grenade launcher and they're cooking off. Like you're fine to come in and like, and like dealing with that. Right. Like, just like being like, okay, we're going to drive in, we're going to (laughs) drive in this little place. And like, we're good. Um, That's pretty wild shit, you know? Yeah. And, and then, and then, you know, shit gets really fucking real and, you know, you're sitting at base and next thing you know, like crazy siren starts going off and you realize that like a bunch of your friends had just gotten blown up at, you know, Yvonne and, 
you know, people that you knew, like, because especially because you're in headquarters, you dealt with headquarters a whole lot more. So you dealt with the snipers and the, 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 the folks that supported the snipers out at you at, at razor, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and especially because Barkas was out there and Barkas was like my first friend in Germany. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was, that was, I think that was the defining moment of my entire military career was that day. Um, in my opinion, because we had, we had to show up there. We, we went out there a few hours after that. There was different, different groups that went out and I remember being out there for a few hours and it was just, you know, before we found everybody. And again, I think that was like that moment, uh, you know, one of those defining moments of like, fuck, like we still have a bunch of months left here. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's stop for a sec. So the, the incident that you're talking about, we need to explain exactly what yeah. happened. Um, so it would make more sense to folks. We, we gotta, we're here to, we're here to paint the story. Yeah. Can I, can I paint the, can I, let me, let me paint the actual, like the, the, the map. Like, so, so we had the city of Samara and most of our cities around Iraq were around waterways. So we had the city of Samara. And at the very entry of Samara was like this big intersection. And there was a road that went over a dam. And then there was this very small um, island that had a combat outpost there. And then there was a dam that I'll talk about later that then led to the major road. So you had to like go across these very small roads to get to this very secluded combat outpost that overlooked the city, if that yeah. makes sense. And, and we had a stronghold there with um, Iraqi military police. Correct. The Iraqi Civil Defense Corps, as they were known at the time. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Oh, he's right. cutting out again. I think oh. he is. Yeah. Oh man, I knew that he was going to be able to give us the best, best, best explanation of this whole event, and I'm not trying to laugh about it, uh, but I'm laughing about this whole connection issue, which is frustrating. Very. Hopefully, he'll pop, pop back on. There he is. You guys, I'm I'm getting fast at it. You guys edit that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll clean, we we actually do clean that up now. So you guys said the Iraqi <laughs> C- civilian defense corps, and like, yeah, the, the Iraqi like was it the PD? Oh man, the ICDC later on became the IA, the Iraqi Army. Yes, well, I mean, like, you know what I mean. But I mean, okay, I mean, so that's what yeah. the, uh, that's what was going on there at that location. Yeah, yeah that, so, that was a, so that. we had we had our sniper team out there. We had our scout platoon. So our sniper team from headquarters company. Um, again, if people don't realize this, um, a battalion is made up of a, of a group of different uh, companies. Three major line companies: um, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. Charlie was in a different location, um, uh, away from Samara. Alpha, Bravo was in Samara proper. And headquarters was based out of uh, of uh, Brass Moor in, in you know on on MSR one, um, and headquarters platoon has mortars, sniper teams, and then scouts along with their support platoons. And they had a small scout sniper position um, in this secluded island uh, with very very small accesses that goes in. Um, I think it was about 
on average about a dozen American soldiers out there with with you know a, a large group of uh, Iraqis police and one day um, while the uh, Americans were on patrol or on, on on security details an Iraqi police truck drove in through the gates parked next to the American barracks and it was a it was a V bit a vehicle born IED um, that that um, pretty much leveled quite a few buildings uh, unfortunately with with most of a, a mortar platoon and scout platoon in it. Yeah, heavy shit, man. Right. Like sleeping. Not, like I'm trying to figure out how to not make it as heavy as we can make it as heavy as it is. Right. Uh, but it was a bad day. Right. It was a bad yeah. day. It was a uh, really there, there, bad there's, day. There's no way to make that not heavy, man. It's just, no. it is what it is, man. No. Like it was yeah. some shit that shouldn't have happened. We trusted the wrong yeah. fucking people yeah. and, uh, and we lost five lives from it. Yeah, yeah. And, and and to think about again, me being a, a very young soldier, right? Like the last guy that they pulled out was Barkus, who was the very first person who picked me up when I showed up to Shrine for it. And yeah. like so, like, you know, so that was a big impactful moment in my life. And when I think about even to today, like today, how I deal with my life and shit, um, living on, you know, going into like going fast forward again real quick into like some of the more like dealing with veteran stuff, right? Like mm. a lot of us live on knife's edge and like, mm. you know, going back to moments like that, like that's how you get set up for living on a knife's edge when you're 37 years old. And like just making right. sure that you, you take care of yourself, you know, properly. Right. Oh, that's the thing, man. Um, I would say that that, that particular event, I mean, cause this was, this was after Easter Sunday. Um, and I know Easter Sunday. After Sea Sunday. Yeah, after and I know Easter Sunday was like a was a significant event for a lot of people, but like, you know that because that was that was that was our first big firefight. That was our first big everything. But like, we did really well in it. Like, we didn't lose. um, Well, one two six didn't lose really. That's when we. That's when that's when we lost Nate Brown. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, like, but for the size of it, for the you know the size of that particular event, because it was citywide it was big and we did i mean we we were on our shit that day but like the what happened at the icdc compound with that v bit where we lost barkus and four other guys we got caught with our pants down and so i think that that was like a a, a very big turning moment for everybody because it was like you know it was almost like a moment of complacency and we just we just they got lucky and they got us and um after that though man like it was fucking game on like there was that was think not about going it in a historic you gotta hit you gotta think about it in a historic standpoint of it right so and i'm sorry to interrupt you i, I didn't you mean good? to do that right but when you when you take you know the iraq conflict and you break it down to like segments especially like the and just taking our comp our, our time like of2 breaking mm-hmm. it down right um right then is that that a in a in a few weeks period right um the 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 attack in samara at um, there we had uh, there was Fallujah there was the the uh, contractors and there was another mm-hmm. attack at Fallujah there was a few like there was like five or six major events in Iraq right at that exact same month or like in the, in the weeks weeks around it and that was the real beginning of like that first like it's not just like some random old Iraqi Republican guard shooting mortars at us this is like something more. This is like we've got white flags flying around. We've got, you know, religious rhetoric on walls. We've got, you know, 
the 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 mosque are are even not even in the city but like on the on the route to the city are like singing and like singing the stuff like because remember you had to go from Brassfield Mora and I don't think anybody talked about this right you had to go from Brassfield Mora into the city right so you had to go through that little desert area go through those little cities and areas past mm-hmm. those rubbles and the ruins right it was a pretty it was a pretty good jaunt from you know Brassfield Mora. All yeah, the, in the town. Yeah, because it wasn't. Yeah. yeah, Brassville wasn't like right in town. It was. On, there was like was two or outside. three different. There was like two or three different ways you could go to it, right? And mm-hmm. and one was through that little town, and that was a scare. I mean, that was one of the scary. I mean, I talk about a scare. I mean, it was pretty scary, right? You know, yeah. you know where where stuff was going. But you know, so 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 when Yuvani was going on, like so, like when that happened, right? Like so, we had to react to it. And then, like, like again, like we're dealing with this at the HQ level. So I'm listening to Captain Rockefeller, who we really haven't talked to that talked about that much. Is you know, this is a captain of a of a company, um, and we we've had all these kind of changes in command. But like these guys are just figuring this stuff out on their on their own. So they're they're trying to figure out why, and you know a pretty good job of of realizing what they needed to do and i i remember a few I, there's a there's a couple couple of times um you know after 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 razor because after razor for everybody after um you know the attack happened we completely took that place over um no uh, iraqi forces involved and it, we controlled an entire like the largest entryway into samara proper mm-hmm. So yeah. as a as a company or as a battalion, right? So we came in, we rebuilt that into a little fortress that overlooked the city, but we still had, you know, we were still on this island. So to leave it, you had to cross the dam that had the little like the metal high rises. And to get into the city, you had to go across this uh, you know, causeway. Um, so you were out there on a on an island and you started to patrol from there. And that was when like the buildup happened for um uh you know Baton Rouge. Yep. And that was when, luckily, I, 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 I came up for uh, leave uh, for R and R, man. <clears throat> oh yeah, so that's around. The, we all went on the set at the same uh, time, right? Yeah, me, 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 and me, you. you, me, you, and Epline, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny stories. We out there, right? <laughs> funny, funny <laughs> stories, man. Funny stories. Um, what was cool about it, from what I can remember, is like shit started getting really crazy so right before like two days before i went out we were resupplying razor as headquarters platoon and and this is where i think captain rockefeller saved my life and this is one of like a couple of times captain rock saved my life and this is the story that gets us to r&r because again i'm just this kid right i'm a kid i'm a driver of a humvee um you know i'm just trying to figure out what the fuck's going on you know and we we drive so we're driving in. This is before all the up armor stuff. We're still in pretty light skin. I think I might have had up like a scout Humvee that had some armor on it, but we had five tons. They had soft tops. We had, um, and we were bringing in breakfast to Razor. I think it was either second platoon or third platoon out there. Um, and we get there and and stuff starts popping off, and they start taking contact, start taking mortars, and I'm the lead Humvee. And me and the XOR lead Humpy and Sam Lee is is on top of the gunner. And um we leave, and as we start to leave, there is there was two routes to leave Razor. There was a land route that would go down by the 
by the the valley where we all got like uh, water dehydration and like everyone almost died. Right. Yeah. And it was a long road that would go down that way. And it, would, it swung back up to MSR West. But if you went straight across the dam, you would just go straight up by the ruins. And as we started to go up to the, the dam, mortars started landing on the bridge. Like, and, and people don't remember is that the, the, the Republican Guard art, uh, unit that was at Samara was like artillery. They were mortars and artillery. So they were really good at that shit. And they were dropping mortars on the bridge. And we had to try and we were, we were making a decision if we we're going to take a left or a right. And Captain Rocks had to drive forward. And we drove across the bridge. And I'll, I'll tell you what, it was probably the scariest moment of my life. And mortar, I, I, wa- I remember watching mortars, like watching them, like hit the, the metal above me and like hitting the water next to me and like hitting the ground behind me. And we get through it and we're all good. That same day, I think you guys were down the southern route and got ambushed, and they had blocked the road off and stuff. And if the headquarters company went down there, we would have been destroyed. But Captain Rock made the call to go through the fucking mortars, which was really scary. And I, I'm pretty sure we're alive because of that. Man, <clears throat> he kind of had a sense for that, though. What do you think? Man, dude, like, I, I mean, I, I could, I could spend an hour talking about about him. I want to write a book about him. Is what I would, like. I think okay. Captain Will or Lieutenant Williams, who's now like a, a Colonel Williams, should write a book cap, about Captain Rockefeller. He he wrote. He had a he had what's called the Wheel of Death when we were in Yuvani, and the the Wheel of Death I'm pretty sure has turned into doctrine for counterinsurgency that led to after after deployments and what it was was it was how to create a rotation of patrols between alpha company and bravo company um and he could tell you when the engagements were going to happen how the engagements could happen i remember i remember watching this he had a tally board of like when they got contact i remember at one point in time we're at like eight months two weeks and 23 days um of every single day our our company had taken contact in some way or form eight months you know what i mean but he created this cycle. It was like when you guys were going out for your search and patrols, right? Like that was on purpose, right? Like there was, there was everything he did, everything you guys did. And like, it was him, it was Bill Baggett. It was Cat, or, or first Arnold Sims. Who, what, how can we not talk about him too? <laughs> but it was like, I mean, think about that leadership, you know, a, a, you know, special forces, um, ex, 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 ex sergeant, um, Bill Baggett, you know, hiking in Jody hiking and he turned into our first sergeant for the second deployment as the you know, he was he was with he you know our tank guys everybody was bashing on the tank guys all right yeah <laughs> they 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 shot you guys really close right but man those guys really showed up you know what I mean like oh, the man. tank guys man and the <laughs> mechanics the mechanics that kept our Bradleys going like Kevin McClary. They got like the craziest award, like the highest award a mechanic could ever get, like this crazy for their deployment there because they were so good, you know, especially when like the mines were coming out when we were blowing up tracks like every two days. Well, that's that's one way we talked about. Um, I think it was with uh, Sergeant Major Gill uh, when out at Uvani, when we, we, you know, we got a couple of Purple Hearts out of the company. Uh, I think King got his, Strand got his, Division uh, Command Sergeant Major was there. Um, during all of this and we started taking mortars in in what we you know was nicknamed the mortar pool for a reason yeah. and one of our mechanics out there working on track you know working on a bradley with his body armor on and his helmet so if, if for people listening now like 
generally speaking, like a mechanic is in a mechanic bay or something like that, and they're working on the equipment, you know, and they're not they're not wearing body armor and a helmet and all that shit, and they're not worried about getting shot at. These guys were out in the open, right? They're wearing their body armor, Man. they're wearing their helmets. <clears throat> it's hot outside, and you know they're constantly at risk of small arms fire, uh, RPG rounds, mortars, rockets, and uh, it just so happened on this particular day. One round landed pretty damn close, and uh, a lot of people got hurt. Fortunately, nobody was killed. But one of our mechanics um, got a huge chunk of shrapnel in his lower uh, gut. From what I remember, had to have several inches of his intestines removed uh, because of it. And that's, I mean, and, and you got to think, like, you know, as combat, like, your job is to go out, draw fire, react to fire, blah, 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 engage the enemy, kill the enemy, right? As a mechanic, yeah. you're out there turning wrenches, making sure vehicles or, or whatever it is that you work on is, is, is in working order. And you're not necessarily thinking when you, when you join the army, I'm going to be a mechanic, I'm going to be a light wall mechanic or a track mechanic or whatever. You're not really thinking like I might be doing this under fire. Like when that Abrams first yeah, time, when that, when that Abrams oh, ran, yeah. over that, when it ran, over, it ran over the, uh, the landmine early on, right? Like <clears throat> mechanics had to come out there and repair track on an Abrams tank, not knowing if they're going to get shot in the back or blown up or whatever, and completely relying and trusting us to make sure that that doesn't happen. I mean, it's insane. I could not imagine yeah. being in combat armed with my tools. I would, you know what I mean? It's crazy. I, I remember one of the, one of the uh, we, we were building, we were building Yvonne. I mean, like we were moving Hesco or Hesco bears are like the, the T bears. Right. And like we mm-hmm. had our, it was the 88 Mike out there. Right. And like, they were getting, they were getting RBGs hitting like the, like the crane. Cause it was like the mechanics out there moving the, the, the concrete to getting our yeah crazy stuff. But, but anyway, that's, so that's kind of, but, but going back to, sorry, but going, we went way around this fucking story, man. <laughs> So so anyway so 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 sidetrack McGee yeah so I'm driving across this bridge getting blown up mortars landing around me I get back to the base and the next day I have to leave to go on R and R and I go on R and R with Epling and Brown and we we get in Humvees we go from uh, Samara to Anaconda I think it was and we we stayed in and it, it, that was pretty scary because back then the IDs were so crazy on the roads and that mm-hmm. made us get to actually spend longer times on R and R, but mm-hmm. we get to, but this was, we knew we were going to go into smart at one point in time. Um, but we got to go back and, and Anaconda, we stayed there for a couple of days, I think, but it was like, it was really fast. I remember going, getting out, um, coming back. It was really long, but we, we went from Anaconda to Kuwait. And I remember we, that was when the party started. Cause we got to Kuwait, and we were supposed to like wait for like three days for a plane. And then we're like, we figured out how to sneak onto this. We're like, we got onto this plane with these National Guard people, right? <laughs> yep. Like that, that was that was pretty cool. And I, and we flew in the Bangor Main. And that was the the best part of it all. Um, do you remember what happened when we, when we flew in the Bangor Main? Did uh, no, <clears throat> what happened? You don't remember what happened. <laughs> No, there was like there was like was that drunk? We got drunk, yes. Well, there you go. Yeah, I got pictures. <laughs> of, I mean, I, I'm, I got a picture of us looking out of the plane, but we showed up there, and this was like early on, so there was not that many. Like, we were like one of the first groups of people like showing up. I mean, like this was 
So Bangor, Maine was kind of like this centralized place. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. I remember now. Go ahead. And and we got off the plane and there was like a bunch of people like clapping and they had like Corona lights. Like, like I remember (laughs) like, like ice cold Corona lights being handed to me and I, and like the national guard unit was staying there. But like yeah. there was a group of us that were getting on planes to go to Atlanta and we went to Atlanta. Then we went to like our home, wherever it was. Mm-hmm. And but I remember being in Bangor, Maine for like three hours and we drank a lot. We there was like this little stupid bar and it was just like pretty much free beer. It was just I remember drinking Jameson and Guinness <laughs> and you it was me, you and Eppling. It was pretty it was pretty it was pretty good. Got pretty trashed. That's for <laughs> sure. Hey, shout out and to the people in Bangor, Maine. Who, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. What about, 100%. didn't we stop in, didn't we stop in Ireland for, for whatever reason? Yeah, we did. We did. We took, we took Irish car bombs in Ireland, dude. Man. I mean, no, after, no, no, that was, a, no, that was, that was the part of the story I couldn't remember. Because we got in, we, we almost got in a bit of an argument because we were on a civilian flight. It wasn't a, it wasn't a military plane. And we got a little bit of an argument after Ireland with some of the National Guard folks. Um, and we wound up getting a couple of beers and nobody else got beers on that plane from Ireland to Bangor, Maine. Like, that's the part that I couldn't remember. Yeah. That's like a huge part. That's a huge part for me. <laughs> I completely like, forgot one, about I, I Ireland. I completely we, forgot about Ireland, man. We couldn't really get out and check in, out anything, but just That's looking out what, the windows, everything was just like yeah. just long, huge hills, green grass, and all that kind of shit. And I'm like, wow, that's fucking peaceful looks, and beautiful. It looks Irish as fuck. And out we're there. going off to yeah, exactly. This is the most beautiful shit I've yeah. seen in years. It was a little bar, but it was like a little bar in like this little itty bitty concourse. And yeah, but then we made it to Bangor, Maine. And, and when we got to Bangor, Maine, they were waiting for us with Corona lights. And I think then, I think from there, everybody split up. I think, yeah, it was like depending on which area you went to, you went to like the regional folks. But then what was cool together, I, so we all got on like the same, I, I think we all got to Kuwait together, or we were all on the same flight to Kuwait. And we went from Kuwait to Anaconda and we got stuck in Anaconda. And like, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we were stuck in Anaconda for like two weeks because the MSR red, uh, MSR one was like red. It just kept getting full of IEDs. And remember us being at the pool in Anaconda for like two weeks, or maybe it was like a week that it might've been two weeks, but do you remember that? Yeah. I remember that. We were sitting there for a minute. Uh, we watched, uh, was that Catwoman? At the fucking movie theater, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I was disgusted by the pool. Every time I see a place with a pool and soldiers, I get pissed off about it. <laughs> I'm not going in there. Fuck that place. Me and Epper, me and Epper doing like backflips off like the Olympic dive. Like we were at the swim bot in in Germany. Oh yeah. I think I lied, man. I think I went once or twice. I think you did. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I know I did. Hey, but we did get a couple, hey, but we did get a couple of mortars and stuff. I remember like that was the first time I heard the uh what that that Gatling gun go off that, that to shoot down mortars. A ramp or something? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I remember a couple of times because we were just intense there for like a week and there, there was like there were, like two nights we got mortared and we had to like run to like or I think one night we made one night we ran. I think the other night we didn't run. Um, but that's how we were, you know. Yeah. I remember that, man. Thank you for bringing that up. That was uh, 
crazy little bit of time. My my concern was that whole uh, Baton Rouge would kick off before we can get back to our group. It was, man. It was a hundred percent. I think all of us. It was. Um, I know. F. I, I don't mean it, for all of us. I think we talked about it, and I remember we got back, and then you know, the minute we got back, it was just like guys were were getting ready to do some really crazy shit, and for us in headquarters, it it was I think extra intense because like people were you know it wasn't just you know our company. It was head. It was the battalion. It was the brigade. Um, everybody you, you you heard a lot of that chatter going on and this was really like hey let's let's make an example for the entire country and and i don't i think that again a historic part about that you know deployment for bravo company 126 is that we were the like leading edge of of a new doctrine which was taking over cities in in, in a counterinsurgency and and when you think about it fallujah happened a few months after us or a month and a half after us and it they followed the exact same idea that we did. And, you know, I, I think that that's something to say for, you know, what our company did um, over that couple of days, man, which was a, was a pretty, pretty wild couple of days, which, which we could go on for, for hours and days about, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, this is, um, might be a little bit off the subject or topic, but the night that we got back, didn't somebody shoot themselves in the foot? In back in Samara? Yeah. The night, not from our platoon. It was just uh we were all getting ready to do fucking, you know, Baton Rouge, hell yeah, get ready to go mount up. And uh like that morning remember. somebody shot themselves in the foot. So the only the only thing and that I remember from idea. that is uh so the uh SF group that was operating under there, they had some of their Iraqi commandos that were working with them and they were out in the uh in the river in the Tigris and um they were doing like a, a water infill um at night, super tactical, blah blah blah. Next thing you know one of these dudes accidentally fires off around from his AK. And if I'm not mistaken, it went through his foot or somebody else's foot. And oh, so that man. might be what you're talking about. Might be. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. No, I, I don't know. I, but, 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 right, but, so. but like, I mean, thinking like, like trying to make like the big picture small, right? Like, so mm-hmm. like big picture small, right? So we go from bat Brassfield more, right? So we all stage at razor and we stage at razor for a couple of nights. Right. And this, this is a big picture. Um, mm-hmm. All of us out there. I remember like throwing shit, throwing rocks in the shit can right like i can think back to that i can think about like there's a video of, of kevin doing that too it's i think somewhere or another mm. um but we're all staged there we're ready to go um i remember it was like one or two nights before we went it took us to get into it and then it was just like you know when you think about a like a 48 hour like big battle for our generation when you think about big picture not going into the details of it you know that was one of the bigger battles of, of that time and it was in a, a big, I think, a big example for a lot of the battles like that, that came. And and I mean, I remember getting to be the guy that drove my Bradley through the fucking walls of Yuvani when we first went in there to decide that that was going to be the the base. Because um, I was driving at that that for that mission, I was actually instead of in the Humvees, I was driving a, a Bradley with the XO. Um, but but I think when you when you fast forward past. past past uh Bra- the baton rouge but i think everybody had their their parts of it um mm-hmm. head- headquarters probably didn't have as much we were always running in between but then you know here we are um 
a, a couple hundred American soldiers um, in the middle of a city that at one point in time was 500,000 people, now maybe 200, 300,000 people in a community college kind of building in the middle of the city. And we have to decide that we're going to stay here for another eight months and, you know, fight it out with a, a, an enemy that really wants to get in a fight with us and have proven that. And we, we had to turn a community college into a little castle. I think some of the craziest memories I have is like trying to, you know, operation sandbag where we, where we <laughs> turned that, that city and that, that building into a castle. We, we, we yeah. sandbags for weeks on end. We moved so many sandbags that, structural engineers came in and said we had to take some of the sandbags off because we put so many sandbags on our castle yeah that it was going to break the castle that's pretty wild yeah mm-hmm. i mean we we did if i'm not mistaken we did about ten thousand bags and i couldn't tell you how much those bags you know weigh was it 50 pounds 60 pounds something like that 40 40 pounds something like that 40 50 pounds so easy, you know you do, you, you, you do the math there and that's that's how much that's how many sandbags that's how much pounds was stacked on top of this building that was definitely not designed to. I would pray hold for stuff. the mortar man to shoot mortars at us so we could get a break. <laughs> yeah, our sandbags because uh, we'd fill the, them during the, the daytime and then carry them at the nighttime, right? With like, the nuclear dust, because we even filled them at night too. The oh, motherfuckers. Yep. Oh, yeah. If anybody right. comes came down with consumption or something weird from back in the day, extinct diseases yep. from breathing that shit. So here we are, right? So here we are in the middle of the city in a castle, right? And we're, we're battle-hearted, right? Mm-hmm. We've got, we've got um, a full, a full inf- infantry company, right? Headquarters platoon and Humvees, uh, three, uh, three Bradley platoons. We've got another infantry company, Alpha Company, to, to patrol with us. And we've got two tank platoons. And our job is to patrol, control a city that's, you know, roughly the size of St. Louis. And, and we had to figure out how to do it on the fly as a battlefield evolved in a way that, we've, that no, no American force had ever fought before in a counterinsurgency. And, you know, again, this goes back to our leadership um, from – Captain Rockefeller to our XO to our first sergeant to the platoon sergeants and squad man, like to yeah. think about what we were all learning on the fly there was just wild. Yep, so, I mean right, yeah, for sure. I mean we like you know this was pretty much everybody's first time to deploy to some something like this and like like we've mentioned before in previous episodes like what we were doing over there was pretty historic like it was a lot of firsts and um, you know we were the guinea pigs, but. Yeah. You know, we we held together pretty well, I think. <clears throat> Obviously, yeah. So from uh, October till uh, about the time we left, we were all at Yubani, um, running patrols out of there. Um, you know, we all talked about our like serious butt pucker moments from that Oof. whole point. Um, what was that? What was the moment for you uh, while we we're at Yubani? Two. I think two two really good ones. I, the one that that Youngblood talked about, that ID, it, it went off between me and Fud's Humvees, and Fud was in front of me. He was my best friend, my my roommate, and he went down. I thought he had gotten taken out, and that was that was that was a bad one. Um, there was one where an ID, the 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 charger went off right next to my. I I looked at it out of my window. That was pretty terrifying. But the two ones I can really think about the best is one was just really hilarious. Um, 
it was like the we were we, me, Sam Lee, like Joe Caldwell, and like probably like Sizemore. I think we're all on the on the roof doing guard at the very like the the, the night the night shift that turns into day shift, right? Like right at the daytime. Mm-hmm. And like you know how tired you are, like. We weren't in the we weren't in the barracks. We're out there like on the sides, in between the in in between the bunkers. And next thing you know, this was when the when all the uh, landmines were being laid out. So like every morning, one either Alpha Company or Bravo Company ran over a landmine. It was just like for like a month straight. It just happened. We heard this boom, and we're and I remember being like, "There's a landmine." Alpha Company <laughs> did it again, and next thing you know, we heard this whistle, and it was a rocket. And it sounded like it was coming right towards me and like all of us. And I remember like all of us turning and running towards the barrack, the, the, the bunker. And like the first person, Benefield gets in, he, he, he gets in. And then the person right behind him falls down and like Sam Lee falls down. And like, as I, I'm like the last guy in the, oh, in the, in the, and I fall down, you know, we got all our gear on and my legs are hanging out behind it. I'm just thinking, Oh my God. And this, you know, you hear the missile just like screaming it lands like five blocks away. <laughs> yeah. One of the scariest moments. <laughs> that sound, though. That's all you Dude, it, it'll, it'll fucking get you, though. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all like hanging all over. We're like laying on top of each other. And it's just like, you know, like, okay, let's all just stand up real quick. Not act like we're like, yeah. And hey. the other time, well, man. No shame. Oh, no, man, shame. no shame in that. But one of the scariest moments, me and Joe Caldwell together, um, we were at the minaret and we, we, our Humvee had pulled off the road, um, like, like the far security, like, like, I don't know, like there's a bunch of Humvees around. He gets out to take a piss. I'm the driver. He was the gunner. He gets out to take a piss and he's on the, the left-hand side taking a piss on the right-hand side, like a one five, five round, like maybe 50 yards away from us that was on a, that was being remote controlled goes off mm. and he's outside the Humvee. Mm. on the other side way too right close. but he was peeing on the tire so there's like so no matter what happened like them explosion went off like literally within like i don't know 20 30 yards from us and like he's out there pissing and i'm just like nothing but dust and like i'm just thinking first of all i think am i dead first of all because it was that big of an explosion and then it's like here he is and he like comes barreling in through the one of the room or one of the doors being like i'm okay man that's all he could say <laughs> he's saying i'm okay i'm okay i'm okay that was a terrifying moment man terrifying but those were some those were some of the some of the moments i mean like there's like so many you could think about i think when you when you go back through it like not like hundreds of thousands like there's lots of moments that were like just really crazy funny little things that like happened that could have like ended in like a really catastrophic way. Oh yeah. But here you are mm-hmm. like joking about it with your buddies. Like, man, that really just happened. Like, yeah, there's mortars just landing right in front of my vehicle. And I'm just laughing because you were yelling at me because I wasn't driving fast enough, you know, or something like that, you know? Um, and that's what really like forged us. I think as a company is that we, we all just did our stuff out there, whether it was burning shit. I mean, I like, think about the, the conditions we lived in, you know, mm-hmm. How many times did we get a? Sh- we, there was no showers there. There was that little room that there was kind of a shower. You got a shower every couple of weeks when you got back. The, you got a meal every other day, maybe that was hot. Um, yeah. There was ra- racing, racing chicken. Like, like when I talked to like kids that deploy like a couple of years ago, like 
it is crazy the difference is between like OF2, even even dude. OF like six to eight, which for our second deployment, right? But man, you know. No, it's it's definitely night and day. It's two different things, dude. It really is. Um, and I, I, I tell you all the time, like for that entire year, we might have had 40 showers, maybe, maybe. For, in a year. Yeah. You know what I mean, you think about how dirty you are. But like you know, and it wasn't like it wasn't like because we were just so busy or we just fucking lazy or we just didn't have water. You know, that's the stuff I want to talk about, guys. Like you know, like there's so many people talk like trying to make like, like we all did our shit, right? Like I hate all the like extra Bravo shit. Yeah, like, I mean, mm-hmm. like we all did our stuff. We did some badass stuff. The reality, the majority of it was just like shit. Like, like dealing with like uniforms that stood up straight because they were full <laughs> because you were walking yeah. around for days right like yeah we weren't mm-hmm. as hardcore as we thought but we were also pretty hardcore i guess if that makes no sense. yeah absolutely no i mean like that was i think that was one thing that definitely like set us apart and made and set us up for for success was our ability to roll with the punches yeah. because that's yeah. what we did man. man whatever happened i mean it's just i mean it's, there's this level of resiliency <laughs> and this level of like fuck it man like this is it is what it is you know that whatever that that totology like it is what it is you know what i'm saying like i'll deal with it as it comes because it is what it is there's nothing i can do to change it all i can do is just hope to survive it yeah, yeah. and getting yeah. to be a very a small percentage of people in that time frame that actually got to go do that that deployment as infantry guys you know mm-hmm. um Again, we're we're lucky to be part of that group. Not every infantry guy got to go through that experience, you know. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> like you're saying, once you're locked into that roller coaster, there's no way of getting off of it until it's over. Yeah, man. Just, hang, just hang on for dear life. Just hang on, man. That's all I can do. And uh, eventually, the roller coaster for us for their first deployment comes to an end, right? It did. We, we we were not in Iraq uh, forever. We're still we're not yeah. there now. Yeah. So, so what did, did come what, what, what were some of your feelings? Just so we can try to cover the second time you yeah. went. What were some of your feelings when you when we left uh, Iraq for the first time? Man, I mean, I mean, I think that it, it was pretty wild. I think that like I think that when we all got back, because there's a time there's a couple month period of time where you guys were still there, right? So we're all there at this co- cohesive unit, kind of like you guys were running free on like the get out of jail free kind of stuff and like we're all getting ready to go back again pretty much but we knew like here here it is so that 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 year was a blur guys um not gonna lie um we a lot of training um a lot of uh getting ready saying goodbye to people you fought with for a long for a year you know yeah. and, and and then a, a, a year of getting prepared to go right back there to to, to fight and grow and like turn into an you know, turn into the Kevins, turn into the Griffs, turn into, you know, um, you know, the Browns. Um, and, and then, and, and next thing you know, we've got a whole group of soldiers that were the addicts, the, 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 the freaking uh, pages, the, the, the FUDs, you know, so here we are, you know, uh, getting ready, you know, just like, you know, you guys have already left. Now we've got new leaders. Some sometimes we've got you know a new company commander, etc. And mm-hmm. we're just getting, we're just starting to starting the cycle all over again, right? Except now we know that we're going back to a place that is completely different, and and the fight is is dramatically different, and we we know what a fight is. So now we've got this giant group of young kids. And we're getting ready to go back to the, the hardest fight, probably, uh, of the Iraq War. And 
And, you know, we had to prepare for that. And I think that, you know, there was nothing better than that time in Samara to, to really prepare for Paris for that. Man, I, I tell you what, um, and I think Kevin's brought this up once or twice, but I've had like, uh, like remorse for leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I felt really, really bad. Like uh, you guys were our kids, you know, yeah. um, and we grew up with you guys or you grew up with us. And then, you know, we left, but you guys are just out there on your own. And fuck, if, if it sucks out loud to read shit in the newspapers about you guys. Yeah, it is, man. But you know, that's that. That's that. That's what that that that's called. When we go fast forward to that, um, you know, dealing with stuff. That's what that moral injury is. And and you know what? I I lived it myself because you know, um, after my second deployment, we separated from. You know, everybody went astray that time. And and I, I really don't even consider the rest of my military career anything. I, I don't even. I don't. I don't even talk about it really. Um, my military career was uh, 126 Bravo Company. And after that, it was just a, a shit show, in my opinion. <laughs> um, no, it, it, for a lot of reasons. But but that's where that moral injury comes into where, you know, you're thinking about the people you left behind or you're thinking about, you know, th- yeah. those things. So 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 that is a, a big part about because, you know what I mean? Like it, it still happens today, whether it's, uh, you know, friends committing suicide or, you know, not that long ago, friends still dying in combat, you know. So, um, you know, th- it, it's a real thing. So you don't have to ever worry about it. Um, it's not it, it, it falls exactly in line with what we're talking about is how each we're infantry folks in a combat uh, period of time of history. And we live our lives, man. Yeah. Like, if you think about it over time, there's warriors, okay? You got your your Romans and all those kind of Spartan motherfuckers down there doing their thing. And there's, like, a brotherhood between those dudes. And one way or another, I think our story will be linked similarly to theirs in the way that we fought with each other for whatever reason. Oh, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, like, I, I, I anticipate you know, in the future, you know, if history is taught correctly, when they talk about the global war on terror, I mean, they might not talk about us specifically, but when, they, when you talk about your average war fighter, um, cause when, you know, when you, when you talk about like the, let's say the Spartans at, at the battle of Thermopylae, right? Like that's all they were. I mean, it was sure it was the, the 300 of the best blah, 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 plus 5,000 Greeks or whatever, but you know, they were just, that was just your average war fighter. We, were the average warfighter, which, you know, when we go back a couple months ago, Tyreen, you know, talking before we did the podcast, it was part of the reason why we did this is because, man, you can go out and buy a book about what a Navy SEAL did or what a Green Beret mm. did or what, you know, a Ranger did. But nobody's out there talking about, like, what your regular warfighter did, what your regular grunt on the ground did. And, yeah. you know, that story is just as important to hear and to tell. And, and uh, yeah, we, we want you're, people, you're 100% we want people, right. We want people that are listening to know, yeah, man, there's a lot of special dudes that did a lot of special things, but there's a lot of regular dudes that did a lot of special things. You know what I mean? Like we weren't trained to that level, but we were still doing things, um, you know, on a similar level or, or whatever. You get what I'm saying? Like we're still facing the same sacrifices. We're still facing the same, you know, potential end result of death. Um, and I just think that it's not talked about enough. And, I think you're right. Yeah. I, look, I, I'll tell you what, like I, again, I get to go to a lot of places where I get to talk to people. And again, when I say that, when, when, you know, 
when, when you meet somebody else, no matter who you are, general, some former general, some CIA guy that was in charge of uh, global war on terror stuff. And then where, where did you deploy? And you say, you know, I was with one, two, six infantry, Samar and, and, you know, Ramadi and, and, you know, the rest of my battalion was where we were at. They know who we are or mm-hmm. they, they respect it. I mean, and, and I, I've talked to special forces guys and they're like, where are you at? Ramadi during 2006, 2008, Samara during 2004. Okay. Yeah. There's not even a hesitation. Um, and not every infantry guy gets that and gal gets that these days. Right. Yeah. Um, and the same thing in, throughout history, right. Throughout history like in world war two, like um, Kevin, you, you talk a lot about on killing, right. Like the, mm-hmm. I read that book when I, I read that book during my second deployment to Iraq. Um, and when you think about like even world war two, like even like the, 10% of infantry soldiers, right. In, in world war two actually shot their guns. Like, I mean, right. like, so when you think about that, we got to be very lucky to be, if, if that's what you consider it, right. Some people don't <laughs> consider it that way. Right. We got to be at the tip of the spear. We got to do what we decided we wanted to do with our lives at 18, 19 years old. And that be, that was fight for our country and, 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 you know, do what we thought was right at that point in time. And, that's that's pretty damn special, I think. And I think that for all of our guys, no matter who they are, to, to think go back to that. Like we volunteered to do that. I mean, even go back to your Thermopylae's and all that shit. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of those soldiers didn't volunteer to go fight. And our generation, a bunch of gen um late Gen Xers and senior citizen millennials. We decided to sign up uh, uh, and, and and especially for, for me and younger, like knowing that we were going to go to war, especially if you got to be a love and banger. And, and that's, that's really special in history, I think. And, and oh, we yeah. shouldn't take that up, um, you know, for, for granted. I mean, I mean, that's a, that's a life I lived, you know, a long time ago, it seems like now, but you know, the fact that we volunteered as a generation to do that, like millions of Americans did that. Um, yeah. that's pretty something to be proud of as a, as a younger generation when people talk shit about us a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It absolutely is. And, and, you know, you, you know, like you, like you talked about you know, back in the day, you know, a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, whenever, like you were born into a society and you were told whether or not you were going to be doing this thing or that thing. Yeah. And we're, we volunteered. I mean, and, and, and you talk about, I mean, that's, you know, you even going back to Vietnam, it was a draft army. So like, dang, 18, uh, uh, guess what? Um, off to Vietnam you go. You know what I mean? And it's uh, so we we are kind of like the first, I don't know, generation generations to be a part of that, mm. like all volunteer force that it says is. yes, I take me, I will go. You know what I mean? So that's that's kind of a cool thing too. Yeah, yeah. If you ever yes. get to talk to like Vietnam vets that actually um, signed up to go there, they sound a lot more like us and say your average Vietnam veteran. Just I mean that's out out of like a at anecdotal like from me from talk to mm-hmm. hundreds of them you know um when you when you talk to to those that, that actually volunteered they 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 relate to us a lot more than say someone who really didn't want to, you know that they, that they, they got the draft you know so anyway yeah yeah no, that's awesome so, man mm-hmm. so now after um our our time together you go back to Iraq again. Um, the shoes on the other foot now. You, you guys are the position Man. of leadership, uh, but the the environment's a lot different. But things are a lot different. The the danger 
it has changed. How did you manage to deal with that at a leadership level uh, at that point in your career? Man, so um, going, going, you know, thinking about it, right? Like, so getting ready to go there, right? We're, we're the E6 mafia, right? We're the guys that are just getting ready to be E5 promotals, promotable, et cetera. I think uh, I went to the promotion board a month before deployment with a guy named Monomar from Charlie Company. And again, that, that, that kind of like, again, because of our, our barracks being connected with Charlie Company, because of mm-hmm. um, when, we came, when we came to the military, when we came to Germany um, in Rear D, that whole group of guys got really close together. So like all that young guys that, that came in um, right before the first deployment, even with the Charlie Company and Alpha Company, we all got real close. And it's the same thing for the next generation, like the, 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 the privates that were for us. But so we were friends with the Charlie Company guys. So we deployed in different different ways. So I I, I deployed as a E4 promotable, and I've got to say it, it's a perfect example of my career in the military. Is um, um, I I got promoted in uh, during that deployment. The biggest thing about that deployment is it was so long. Um, it was it was fifteen or sixteen months I think for us. Um, but I was able to get promoted, demoted, and promoted to sergeant all in one deployment. <laughs> and I consider that a pretty big badge of honor. Um, <laughs> it, um, I mean, I'm not proud of how I accomplished that mission, but the point <laughs> is that I was able to get promoted, demoted, and then promoted to sergeant all in one deployment, which I think speaks for itself. Um, yeah, man. I mean, especially during what y'all went through on that second rotation. Cause I mean that, I mean, one it's, it's, a, I think a display of the need for, you know, uh, leaders that know what the fuck's going on, know what to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, I I think that's, uh, yeah, you're right. I think that does speak for itself. Yeah, no, no, it it does. Um, and, and it, it spoke for how I got taught, um, in 209, you know what I mean? And that's how it happened, you know, and it was in a positive manner, in my opinion, um, hundred percent. And, um, I want to take it back and I was asked if I wasn't going to take it back when I was at promotion board for the second time to get the sergeant. So and I told him the same answer. So, you know, I believe I was in the right. So anyway, going back to, uh, going back to that deployment, the deployment was, it was a shit show, man. Um, in my opinion, it was a, it was a bad time, man. You got to think about it. It was, you know, we were in Ramadi. Uh, we were in the, we were in the, one of the, the highest percentages uh, we were, we were attached to an armored division, which was really cool. Um, this is another, another conversation, just like Herb said, um, this has got to be another conversation. Um, it was rough. Um, I think in a lot of different ways, I think that it, you didn't have the, the freedom of battle as the first deployment where, I, and I don't think that in, in the way of like the, the rules we had, but I think more in the, the sense that the enemy didn't want to fight us the same way. Um, they let us know when they were going to fight us in Samara, pretty much. You, you kind of knew when it was going to happen. And, and Ramadi was always walking around and waiting, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 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 you know, so, so for me, like, that, that whole part of the deployment is a whole other story. Um, but what happened was, you know, you became a, a, a young, you know, mid-20s, you know, leader and having to deal with, you know, trying to keep a, a squad or a team alive. And, and, and you're doing it during the height of probably the highest point, point of combat in, in Iraq. And um, when I got back from that, you know, my military career kind of continued. But, you know, I left 126. And I think that 
that was when things really kind of started to change and it started to turn into that transition into the civilian life. And, and, and I think that's where like, I'll, I'll leave, you know, that second deployment for tonight. Yeah. Yeah. man, I feel like that second deployment, dude, like, I feel like, I feel like that was there's so much more that went on for you guys then, than for us um, in OIF two. Um, and honestly, like I would, I wouldn't mind uh, and Tyree, maybe, we should talk about this later on, but, um, you know, devoting, you know, like in the next season or whatever, you know, maybe like, like, like we were talking about earlier, a series where we do like, you know, five or six or three episodes, whatever, whatever it takes to really kind of cover that whole year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, cause man, like, I feel like, like I said, I feel like so much, so much went down that year. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and, and there's so many stories so many stories that we haven't even scratched the surface, haven't even came close to. I think at some point, I mean, we're going to come to the point where we're going to be, uh, we're going to hit the wall when it comes to the stories for this season. And I think even some cases it might be coming up soon where we might start transitioning into other types of stories, except for one particular guest we have. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to be moving on to uh, different stories and, I can't think of a better way to go into one, two, six's story with their next appointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's heavy duty, man. And I know yeah. these. it would be excellent to be able to talk to the guys who, again, passed the torch or got passed the torch from us on down from you to you guys. And then from, you know, he just kept on going. It'd be good to hear, you know, everything that happened with that, because I don't know anything, to be honest, besides what I heard in the in the news, and besides some of the stories that you guys have yeah. told us. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I mean, yeah, that's, that's really it. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just know that there was, that it was worse than our year. And, yeah, uh, and, and, you know, I know that we were pretty busy um, firefights constantly. And, I, you know, so if it was, if it was worse than that, then um, it's got to be pretty bad. Yeah. So, so what if he's, oh, what'd you say? I wonder. So I wonder if he's having connection issues. I, th- I think so. Yeah. But on that connection issue, I think we're gonna end this particular episode and uh, have a part two with Will. Yeah. Uh, right. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah for sure, man. I'll look at the schedule. Yeah. See if we can plug him in. Yeah. And uh, we'll end it for here. So thank you for tuning in to Before I Forget. Please like, share, and subscribe. And share and subscribe and comment. And tell us what we're doing right and tell us what we're doing wrong. Things are going to change. Oh, yeah. Big changes coming up, right? Man, huge changes are coming. Like, uh, within a week or two. I'm not even going to try to hide it from y'all. Like, we got some equipment that we've been looking forward to. Um, Mm -hmm. The audio... It's going to sound bitching, I promise. We're going to be able to have our own like opening theme music and closing theme music, and we're going to have our own kind of a style that will be dope if you guys can give us some suggestions. But uh, either way, it's, things are going to change, and uh, I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah. And uh, I know Kevin knows that I've been cheering his, chewing his ear off about <laughs> fucking microphones and- youtube videos being like oh look at this yeah man. yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, but i mean now. you know like it's gonna fix i think our one of our biggest problems which has been audio 
Um, we'll be able to record outside of uh, Anchor, Mm -hmm. um, which I know we run an ad for Anchor talking about blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, like there are inherent issues that come with using a third party app. So being able to record outside of that uh, will definitely, definitely make the, uh, the recordings and the audio sound better, more fluid. um, And, uh, and, you know, still uploading with Anchor. So there's that. Yeah. So, but, um, but really excited about that. Go ahead. With, with, with that being said, and like Tyree said today and a billion other times, leave us feedback. If you've made it to this point in the podcast, leave us feedback. We need yeah. the feedback. We want to know what your thoughts are. We want your opinions. We want the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We need to hear all of that shit so we can get better. And um, it's going to be great to uh, be able to give you guys a different kind of a show. Uh, so you guys can hear some of the different shit we can actually do um, with the creative space that we have. And I'm I'm really excited about it. Hey, yeah. guys, I'm back. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And right in time for us to end the show. Awesome, man. And like I was explaining to everyone listening that we're going to have you back. Uh, we need to do a part two so we can we can. Uh, have no, you I'm sorry, Rambo's on a bunch, man. I, I, I could, I could, I could go on for hours. I, I no, think yeah, no. that I was one thing that we to... talked about earlier. Is that, uh, like you're, you're, you're an easy guest to have because we don't really have to do a lot of asking of questions. You, I mean, because one man, you've, you've been in a public forum, like you said before, you've been in public forums for a long time. Like you've been speaking to a lot of people. You know what to say. You know what we're looking for. You've listened to the show, and so you're already prepared, man. And that is fucking great. We're, we're, yeah. we love that. Um, that makes so it easy. Lot, it, it's a lot better than sitting here when like, you know, one of us says something and then there's like just crickets or, uh, how do I respond? I feel you know like I'm I mean? talking just... too much always, man. But, but like, I, again, I think it goes back to one other thing is that like, I really looked at, um, my, my deployments, my military career as like a part of history, like going back to when I was a, a young kid, I mean, going into the, I mean, I think this goes into that point of like the, the, the prior uh, past nine 11, you know, folks who signed up and, and, and again, being in headquarters, getting the, you know, actually like write down the stuff and, and record the stuff meant a lot too. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm really lucky to, to get to use my, my, my background with you guys. Like that's where I learned everything, even though maybe what I do now is completely different, but you know, I use the same lessons I learned when I was in first platoon one, two, six or headquarters or, you know, first platoon during the second appointment and, you know, learning from Kevin Johnson in the fucking, kitchen of one you know 209 uh, about how to shoot i remember exactly what it was it was a joke fucking class teaching me how to shoot down a helicopter with a saw and you were making a joke of it but you gave a really good you had to give a perfect it was one of those stupid times spending yeah. an hour anyway yeah but anyway with that guys it, it i'll let you guys end it and it, it was it was man thanks for for doing this and for everybody out there but you know reach out to somebody, you know, uh, and, and talk about this stuff, no matter Absolutely. if it's on a podcast or not. Absolutely, man. Can't express the importance of that enough. Like the more you talk about it, man, like the, like, as you talk about something, you process it. You know, and the, yeah. if you talk about it again, you're continuing to process it. You're, you're, you're hearing it from a different perspective, or maybe you're re- remembering something you didn't remember before. I mean, it helps talk about this shit, man. hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. So we're part of history, man. We're part of history. And when you look back at it, I mean, and that's, and that's the reality of it. Um, I live um, a half mile from Arlington cemetery and we've got plenty of blue spaders in there right now. And um, again, 
when we when we look at it, it it's part of history that we all got to be part of. Yep. yep. And on that <clears throat> note, we'll close the show out. Uh, once again, thank you for listening to Before I Forget. Please like, share, subscribe, and share and subscribe and share more. And we love yous and we miss yous and all that. Yep. Real talk. Yeah. All right. Peace <laughs> out, you guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Later.